All right, it's once again time for the Robert Scott Bell Show, our first live show of the week today, the 19th of September, 2022. Welcome. Get ready. Share the show. RobertScottBell.com slash listen for all of the chat room frivolity. <laughs> we got a lot to cover today. Uh, our buddy, Michael Bolden, who never shows up for work here on the show, 10th Amendment Center. We love him. He's connected us with Amy Labore, and she's from Libertarian Party in Delaware, uh, vice chair there or something really cool. Uh, but she wrote a great article I want to cover about the federalization or nationalization of the emergency response on a local level, especially when you hear what Biden has to say. This is going to be interesting. Uh, in hour two, boxer. I love boxing. You know, I never did that. But years ago, I got into boxing. And I, you know, every day I'm doing boxing training, now kickboxing training. We have an honest to goodness uh, heavyweight champion. He's retired now. Uh, but I hopefully that works out. David Nino Rodriguez from Nino's Corner is going to join us in hour two. And let's see, we got questions of the day coming up. The severe common cold. Is that the next pandemic, the cold? The cold? Let's just go there. Why not? <laughs> Call your friends. Tell them we're on. Share the show. Thank you for being here. Let's get this healing party started right about now. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Robert Scott Bell Show. Mr. President, first Detroit auto show in three years. Yeah. Is the pandemic over? The pandemic is over. We still have a problem with COVID. We're still doing a lot of work on it. Uh, it's, but the pandemic is over. If you notice, no one's wearing masks. Everybody seems to be in pretty good shape. And so I think it's changing. And I think this is a perfect example. The pandemic is over. Super Don did that on purpose. You know it because I'm like ready. I'm chomping at the bit. I'm like salivating like a wild dog. Arr! Biden said the pandemic's over. And for those of you who believe he's the president, the buck stops with him. It's the executive branch. Is it not the executive branch of government that said it's a pandemic? There wasn't an act of Congress. Do you remember one? I don't. Did the Senate declare it? No, I don't remember that. Did the judiciary declare a pandemic, an emergency? No, it was the executive branch. And who's at the head of it? Okay, get I get the deep state stuff. But you got the supposed head of it. Now, now Super Don's going to tell me, well, he's not really the president. He gives me crap about that. I know. I see you. I hear you. I feel you. Oh, so you now he's lie. the president. When you want to criticize right. him, now he's the president. But What are you talking about? Five minutes ago, he wasn't the president. <laughs> oh, can I say? What can I say? Here we got the deal. The guy said it. He's the head, unless you now are saying he's not. He says the pandemic is over. The whole basis for emergency use authorization declared emergency was not based on a problem. Oh, we still have a problem with COVID, right? They're going to go, Super Don, to, the, to, you know, to all the courts and go, you know what? We declared a pandemic and an emergency, an emergency declaration because of a problem. If that's the case, just forget ever being out of a state of emergency because there, every day there's problems. That's a definition. The word problem doesn't rise to the level of emergency. Pandemic, that's what they did. They butchered pandemic to be able to make it anything they wanted so that they could get a declared emergency in perpetuity. And now the so-called president of the United States says, there's no pandemic. We still got a problem, though. So explain to me how this emergency declaration is in existence today and tomorrow and the next day, how the EUA-authorized shots and boosters are still being given today and tomorrow, etc. And I think it matters. I think words matter. I think definitions matter. But then again, call me, uh, you know, a guy that's a stickler for words and definitions. I mean, that's the whole basis for how the government declared the emergency in the first place. 
So, Super D, go ahead. Have at me. Go ahead. Tell me I'm a whiner. Carry on. <laughs> you know, the disadvantage of you and I having the conversations before we go to air is that you immediately go in and try and put out all the fires that I'm going to set uh, before we get <laughs> going to talk about it. I don't want to make it easy on you. Here's the, bo- here's the bottom line, okay? So, you've yeah. got a statement by Joe Biden as he's walking through the Detroit Auto Show with the uh, host of 60 Minutes, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh and what did he say? He said, well, oh, yeah, look. Look, everybody, no, people aren't wearing a mask. Oh, everybody looks good. Yeah, the, the pandemic's over. Okay? Who cares? Joe Biden yesterday probably didn't, he probably forgot to put on his pants uh, and, and, and didn't know what, what year it is or whatever. You know, okay. I mean, it's like people don't take him seriously anyway. But I understand mm-hmm. what you're saying. Okay. But I, you know, let's just be pragmatic here. Um. Biden's words, the the words that come out of his mouth don't set policy. He's not the head of the FDA. He's not the head of the CDC. He's not the people that are are making these decisions. He's just the dude in the house, right? Mm -hmm. That's it. So, yes, there's already debate going on right now about what he said. There's people that are going, oh, wait a minute. This is what he really meant. Mm -hmm. Um, There's people that uh, in the administration that have said things in recent days that completely contradict what he just said there about it being over, right? So where does so the buck it's, stop? It's, where are you telling me the buck stops in this government? It doesn't it stop the, with him. You CDC? know that. Dude, come on. FPA? What planet are you on? When has it ever, the buck ever stopped mm-hmm. with the president of the United States? It never does. He's the guy that gets up there and flaps his gums mm-hmm. about what's going on, but he's not the one that's really making the decisions. So you're, right? calling, him, you're calling him illegitimate. He's not the president. Then. I heard you. You basically intimated that he he's not the guy. He can the say the president has the always just been a figurehead, is, dude. You know that. Over the, the, the president pe- is the one that makes the decisions. He doesn't make the laws. He's just he's just the talking head in, so in the this, White House. You know this, that. It was, so it's been that way with every president. I just find this rather humorous in a sad sort of way. <laughs> that on so many uh, levels in history, even though yes, we will agree it's a figurehead, it's a puppet scenario. Although Trump did some stuff to break some some of that pattern up a little bit. It, even though he had crappy advisors, he believed the wrong people as well. And look, this is not, I'm not going to go into hate Trump, love Trump. This is not about that. But right now, if you, whether you perceive he's there legitimately or illegitimately, they consider Biden the president. If he's to go out into the world and say the pandemic is over, then immediately, let's just put it off of uh, Biden right now and the president. Then immediately there should be a congressional action in the House and the Senate to declare the emergency over unless unless you know again you go to the fda as you said or the cdc which admits even that the pandemic shots that they call them don't work they don't stop the spread they lied about them they don't stop you know the actual expression of this thing and and so where is our government even functional at all even a little bit in 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 that argument that you made and i'm not disagreeing with you i think it's it's just it's well, the president is the guy that can declare the emergency, apparently. And he's the guy that says the pandemic is over, but the emergency continues. Why? Because it's a problem? At that point, there it's is no legitimate government. It, was, it wasn't that long ago. They were saying they needed millions or billions or whatever it was in order to for continued testing and surveillance yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So, Based on an emergency declaration, not a problem. The pandemic is over. It was, the, the emergency is based on a pandemic. The pandemic is over. They say hundreds said. of people are dying every day still from COVID. Well, hundreds of people, if not thousands, are dying every day 
from FDA-approved medication long before there was COVID, during COVID, and long after. No declaration of emergency for that. So it isn't about the number of deaths. You know that. I know that. It's about the kind of deaths that they want you to believe are happening so that they can have the power to make you what? Get an, an investigational experimental injection or not work or not travel or not at fit into the realm of where the globalists are going here, primarily, though not exclusively, through the leftists you know, in the Democrat Party, but the Republicans are not without guilt here. Globalists all looking for digital IDs. The digital identification is the key to make it so you cannot work, travel, get food, leave your home, unless you will have a great you know, social credit score. For instance, this is Chinese stuff happening in our country based on what? A perpetual state of emergency, a pandemic that is now over, according to the president, whether you believe he's real or not. <laughs> I'm saying it matters. And yet show me the Republican. And, and please, Super Don, if you find something during the show, I want to know where is anybody in the Republican Party calling on because of specifically what Biden just said on 60 Minutes? Let's rescind the emergencies. Every one of them related to, to COVID because it's over. The pandemic's over. Yeah, we had a problem. There is no emergency for a problem. Shall I leave it there? And then we can go to somebody who's who's thinking clearly on this. Not me sure. or not you. Sure. Yeah, you're okay with that? Yep. Let's do it. Nothing else. Are you trying to egg me on here? No, I well, there's not keep... much more to say really. But you know what I think? I think mm -hmm. you're right that somebody somebody should be taking advantage of the situation mm -hmm. here based on what it is that you had to say there and maybe and, and if they know, don't ask, ask the right questions as yeah. a result, right? And if they don't, they should be their aspirin should be thrown out on the streets along with the Democrats. Which brings us to a little bit of libertarianism in just a moment. Mm -hmm. But first, if you're not already getting the daily newsletters from us from Super Don. Please text RSB, my initials to 22828. Text RSB to 22828, and you get plugged into the most amazing, you know, uh, collating of the news cycle, seeing the things we're covering here. Also, a great poll question of the day. And I don't know if you want to reveal that today already, what it is, so uh, we can get more answers by the time the show ends, and we'll reveal them as well um the question of the day i don't have it to show you at this you could point, just say it what is the poll question yeah, of the day? no it's, it's asking you know, do you approve of the governor re republican governors uh sending migrants mm -hmm. to sanctuary cities okay do you Simple do you one. approve of that because yeah. as you know we've covered it a couple shows now what's right. going on um, or so, you should ask a secondary question do you want to be declared an undocumented uh immigrant so that you can be sent on a cruise cruise ship to live <laughs> Maybe that would be the, the right thing. Good old New York time. City. I, yeah. It makes me wonder why they're doing that. Are they doing mm -hmm. that, A, because they're just, well, let's, you know, we have nowhere else to put them, so we'll put them on a cruise ship, or B, are they trying? They're doing that on purpose, mm -hmm. you know, as kind of a, a statement, right? Oh, fine, yeah. you're going to send them here, we're going to put them on a cruise. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, what they didn't tell you is the cruise is actually going to Mexico, but... Oh, 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 <laughs> dropping them off there. Is that right? <laughs> if it's going to Cancun, maybe. All right. Yeah. All right. So let's say okay. if, if we've got crappy parties, establishment parties, and we do, Dems and Republicans, right now the Republicans seem to be the more viable option. But on the localist of local levels, we see viability in terms of other parties, particularly that L. You know the L party, Libertarian Party? The vice chair of the Libertarian Party in Delaware joins us now, Amy Lepore. She wrote a great article that was reprinted 
via the 10th Amendment Center, how the feds have nationalized emergency management. And now I got to ask Amy, what emergency? Where's the emergency? Amy, help me. Help us out. You got a Ph.D. You can figure this out for us. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I tend to concur with your assessment. Doesn't appear to be an emergency to me right now. Yeah, I'm looking at you. You look like you're in Mexico right now with the palm fronds behind you, whatever. It looks great. I assure you I am in Delaware. You are? Okay, in Delaware. Isn't that where like uh, Biden parks his boats or a lot of people park their boats? I think he spends a good amount of time here as evidenced by the traffic jams, yeah. Okay, oh, yeah, that's right. They shut it down if he comes there or whoever he is goes there. So, uh, Amy, uh, again, all of this stuff that we're talking about here is very much within your capacity of, of commentary as well as the article that you wrote that was republished at the 10th Amendment Center, how the feds have nationalized emergency management. And, and, you know, perhaps you can introduce us to that concept of the nationalization of all state and local authorities to do the bidding of what we call the federal government. But even the federal government, I question, is it really the federal government or is there some globalist agenda behind it trying to take us out beyond the borders of the United States even? Yeah, absolutely. So a little bit about me. Um, I had a career in local government public safety and and was working in emergency management and looking around uh, at, at my interactions with the public and at the grant dollars that flowed through the organizations and, and their, their use uh, and started to ask some really big questions, which is how I ended up going back to college in the first place uh, a, a little later in life. Uh, I was curious to understand... Um, the, the local government interactions with federal dollars and the impact of those dollars on uh, the actions of local government. Uh, did um, local government personnel tend to do whatever the feds told them uh, if it was an exchange for funds and equipment and supplies uh, and, and spent a number of years studying this uh, using a nationwide study of uh, 2038 county emergency managers uh, and getting their feedback. And, and ultimately, the answer to the big question that I, I started with, which was, um, does the federal government have um, command and control of local response agencies? And overwhelmingly, that answer is yes. And so uh, when you say that, Amy, you're bumming me out, but you're, yeah. you're <coughs> excuse me. You're not saying that it's legitimate, the control that they're exerting, are you? No. I mean, it is certainly legitimate in terms of their, their authorizing legislation. Uh, but, but no, it is not uh, a, le- a legitimate use of uh, federalism as it, as it was intended, mm-hmm. uh, nor is it healthy for local communities to be both beholden to the federal government for, for their money. Uh, and, and also be holding to the federal government for, for programming. And, and as, you, as you well know, uh, the war on terror was rolled out uh, to the, the local level in this way, such that a domestic war on terror could be, could be fought, um, not connected to, to any of the events of, of 9-11, but so that uh, across decades, um, the, the instrument of domestic war on terror could be rolled out and uh, we would prepare local personnel to turn against the, citizen, the citizenry. So you, you, you hold a Ph.D. in public policy from the University of Delaware. And I guess, you, you know, you could look at the Constitution and see if there's an escape valve somewhere that I haven't been able to find. That is, if we declare an emergency, you can abandon the limitations on government. All limitations uh, that were written into the Constitution uh, are all are all gone. And so the federal government can do whatever it wants. It can tell the states to do whatever they want. The local municipalities do whatever they want them to do. And they have to do it. Of course. Where is that in the Constitution? I haven't found it. Maybe you know, because you're a PhD. Come on, help us find it. 
Yeah, well, you don't need a PhD to know about the 10th Amendment, right, which really is an escape valve for, lo- for local areas. Um, and, and, and the an other op- direction, you know. Yeah, in right. the yeah. other direction yeah. and an opportunity for uh, local elected officials. Uh, and, and just to be clear, for the Libertarian Party uh, and the Libertarian Party Mises Caucus, whom I work on behalf of with, with candidates, uh, specifically um, the strategy of of being elected at the most local level and affecting those policies of nullification and ridding themselves of the, the, the confines of the relationship that comes with federal funding is, is absolutely a libertarian strategy right now. So are, are we gaining steam, the libertarian people, the people that love liberty, the people that want to constrain the government back into its constitutional cage? Are we seeing some victories at the localist of local levels? Because, you know, our attempts to uh, gain, you know, on the on more of the federal, how would you say, nationalized type of uh, House of Representatives, Senate, and even presidency, uh, has not gone well in in our past. As we've watched that time and time again, and you know the the old adage, uh, if you do the same thing over and over again, expect a different result. You're insane. So are libertarians insane? Or are we finally figuring a way to get the L party in to office? Yeah, I, I think um, so. The Libertarian Party uh, has been for for uh, a number of years, kind of in flux. Uh, the people who had control over the party previously uh, barely spoke out about lockdowns, barely spoke out about mandates. And in May, we went to our convention in Reno, Nevada, and the Libertarian Party Mises Caucus changed all of that. Uh, the party is now led by people like Angela McArdle, who who were instrumental in places like Los Angeles, California, uh, where she led um, uh, ballot initiatives to, to make sure that lockdowns and mandates could not occur uh, in that area. Led by people who understand that issue coalitions uh, regarding medical freedom, uh, the Second Amendment, uh, legalization are, are where we will uh, do our work. And that explains also our our effort to make sure that people are elected at the most local level where they have the most power to do the most good in terms of nullification. So uh, the answer to your question is a lot of change in the party right now. And all of that change is incredible. Well, Amy, thanks for sharing that because I was not aware of that. And uh, I think about how obvious it should have been. And I'm not saying I knew it all the time either. But the focal point was always on every four years, we'll get a libertarian presidential candidate, we'll get him or her up on stage at the debates, which they never allow. And it's like, that's really not the stage where the things were going to change. It was always the local level. And I think that the, one of the positives of the scamdemic and the lockdowns was to rally people to figure out how do we really solve this problem? Because everything we've done before didn't work, hasn't really worked. And even though uh, as an advocate of the 10th Amendment Center and all that we do here to put that word out to nullify, there have been certainly elements and movements in nullification throughout history. We know that. But in a very, very pragmatic and practical way, what we found is that getting elected at the localist of local levels and pushing back against the state department, well, I say state, the public departments of health that exist on, on the various levels at the localist level, pushing back at the state level and lower, if you will, or more localized that we were having successes in shutting things down, their attempts to shut us down, in other words. And so I was thinking, would it be time, timely that the Libertarian Party that has a very important message for everybody would finally figure that out? It seems to be that this has happened. How Was this like a, a bloodbath? Was there blood spilling at the convention? I mean, how did this happen? 
It was an overwhelming change supported by an overwhelming number of delegates. People went to Reno ready to to be the party. Uh, Finally, that is libertarian, that pushes back against things like mandates and lockdowns, uh, that pushes back against the idea that large corporations who benefit from federal funding and loopholes get to do whatever they want with vaccine mandates. And um, it is a... Bloodbath. <laughs> yeah. So in terms of whether or not it was overwhelming support for this change, absolutely. Uh, but the change that stems from that being prepared to to run candidates uh, all over the country uh, with the strategy in mind of working at the most local level uh, mm-hmm. to, to amplify is, is pretty exciting. Yeah, I'm thrilled about it. And I know that in some the argument like a Ron Paul was he couldn't get any traction with the Libertarian Party, even though he ran once uh, and and. You know, so it was more or less I, he went into the Republican Party to bring that up. And he did more than anybody, I believe, in, in current or recent history, change the, the discussion and open up people's minds to things that they hadn't considered before. And it has had an impact. Uh, so I don't think it was a zero sum game in, in, in that there was there was a win there. Uh, but as far as a party that is not beholden to interest that even the establishment of Republicans are, despite the fact that I, I know there are attempts to put people that believe more libertarian ideals within the Republican party to run at those levels as well. Uh, this is a, it's a, it's a tough one to overcome because it's the pattern has emerged and it's been there for generations now. RD, RD. And, and, you know, I get, I get frustrated quite honestly about this over the years of seeing it. One of my best friends in this lifetime, we just lost, a former presidential candidate for the Libertarian Party, Michael Badnarik, as well. And he, he was tireless in his efforts to educate on the Constitution throughout it all and yet gained no real traction at, at you know, at that level, uh, uh, you know, of a, uh, the national level. But uh, I just I just like what I'm hearing. I have to acknowledge this. I'm like hearing from you, Amy, is like, like, OK, there's some interesting changes that are occurring that may have the impact that we hadn't seen in previous election cycles. And I, I know that it's not all done. We're going to get a lot of libertarians elected this cycle. It's still probably early on since this just happened. But strategically, uh, like you're at LP in Delaware, are there, uh, let's say, chapters that are, are, are doing what you're describing in other states? Or are there still some states that are holding out and not very cooperative with this new agenda? Yeah, I, so I work with candidates all over the country. Uh, who are, uh, we vet candidates all over the country for endorsement by the Libertarian Party Mises Caucus. Uh, and those candidates are, are um, largely seeking to be elected at municipal or county level seats. Uh, we do uh, vet and endorse some state level candidates, but we mostly are excited about our folks who are local and they are absolutely employing the, the strategy of nullification. You know, so so a thing that um, Tenth Amendment Center um, made clear in the last couple of months is, you know, James Madison was uh, he left us great instruction on on what it takes to to nullify. Uh, at the local level. And he told us we needed to rouse the people, make sure that our public messaging was sound. He told us that we needed to urge non-compliance. We do a whole lot of that in Delaware, especially with Second Amendment and medical freedom issues. He said that we needed to prepare leaders, people who would be strong and speak out uh, against an over, the overreach of federal government. And he said that we need to take legislative action. So we need to be active in our legislatures and general assemblies. And that is exactly what our candidates are doing, as well as their candidate teams that support them. Cool. Now, the PhD you have in public policy, I, I've I've grown to dislike the word public. Don't particularly like policy either. But let's just go. 
uh, public. It's like public. It's like get, uh, uh. like I talk about public health, and I've called it an oxymoron. It has nothing to do with your health, really. In fact, public health is kind of a code word for collectivism in medicine. It, it, it denies the, the rights of the individual based on a collective common good that is ill-defined, emphasis on illness there. And, and so public policy is also concerning what does that mean in, t- in terms of its impact on the individual, right? Public policy is just like eh, everybody, one size fits all. And other than the concept of the common law, that is, you know, don't kill me, don't break my stuff, don't take my stuff, the basics. Uh, you know, going beyond that, it gets a little sticky in terms of violating fundamental rights and freedoms. And this to me is how did you survive as a libertarian minded individual going, getting a Ph.D. in public policy where you, you have all your hair intact? It's beautiful. How did you do that? So, well, um, you know, I had to go somewhere nearby so I could attend classes. I'm a, a mama and a wife and I needed to be somewhere close. And University of Delaware had a problem, had a program. Uh, that would afford me the opportunity to to pursue um, my research and to pursue um, my research in a vein of um, emergency services. They had specifically a research center there that that took a look at um, both nationally and internationally the the, the infrastructure of disaster management. Uh, and and I was able to so I was able to to get there uh, for one and able to um, conduct again a nationwide study. They had the the support there for that. So no, I, I don't believe that anything is public, right? We have only ourselves, our families, mm-hmm. our neighbors, and our churches and our communities. Um, but it was an opportunity to study really alongside people who did not see the world the way that I do. I'm thinking uh, that you must have been a pariah there at, at Delaware. I mean, how did you, again, how again did you survive it? That you were sort of, you were surviving the cancel culture before anybody knew there was a cancel culture probably. Yeah. So I was there uh, in 2010, mm-hmm. right, right around like 2010, 2012 uh, during those years when, when the things were not quite at the fevered pitch, but I had, you know, a slew of liberal professors who were teaching in the postmodernist vein um, and, and really, I mean, there's, I don't think there's a better education you can get than to sit next to students who don't see the world the, the way you do and to, to learn from professors who are going to have you reading books that are the opposite of, of really what you grew up reading. And so it was uh, an eye-opening experience. Um, I don't, I don't really re- regret the subject matter. And it was a, an, an incredible opportunity to, to pursue what I saw as a, a huge problem in emergency management and, and to reach some important conclusions. So you can get the PhD. Is there like a minor in PhD, like a minor in dealing with morons that don't see the world other than through a collectivist lens? I don't know, but all over this country, people are people like us are, are finding that out right now, how, how to deal in those environments. Yeah. It's, I, it's I'm tough. just, Curious if you have any insight, because again, you survive side by side and I agree. I don't, I don't mean to isolate us. That's never my intent because I, I don't mind hanging out with people that I disagree with or vice versa. And it used to be kind of a normal thing. You're still pals and buddies and friends and family, but something happened in the last couple of years where then that cancel culture of, you know, we might have discussed or disdained, or they might have for us particularly, uh, became one that you could no longer associate with them. And now you've categorized, I don't mean you, but in a sense, they were taught to, uh, you must discard their humanity. You shred them of their humanity so that it can be an easy thing to, you know, leave them by the side of the road, bloody and, you know, dying of whatever. And, and just cruelty engaged in, 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 in what we see now and this collect this 
I don't know if it's a last gasp. I mean, they're certainly seeming like they, they might have a little bit of an edge in terms of percentage wise. I'm not sure what that is in terms of belief in collectivism. But again, it denies the, the I, I would say, our fundamental divine nature. Right? That to me is an attack on spirituality or religious beliefs as well. The individual's ability to have a relationship with the divine. And yet that is discarded if we don't agree with a collective. Again, these are the things I'm struggling with too. I'll just admit it in terms of how do we reach those folks? A lot of people are asking the same question to bring them back to some sense of sense, if you will, which is not common anymore. Yeah, the, the cultural left especially uh, has, has gone down a road, and, and I don't know uh, how we bring them back. I don't know how we um, properly protect our children um, from, from exposure. I know, um, you know right now the public school is a, a dangerous place to be, uh, both in terms of violence and in terms of their instruction. Um, and, and university really uh, generally also is now um, a, a place you must question if you're going to send your, your young people. It is, it's tough out there. And they do seem to have um, a, a command of culture right now, which is another thing uh, that, that I love about the Libertarian Party and the change that the Mises Caucus has brought forward, which is there is a focus on culture building. There is a focus on um, making sure that there is camaraderie. So the Libertarian Party is a political party, yeah, but we're also building community. So there is a focus on camaraderie. There is a focus on getting out into the community, conducting outreach events, uh, knowing each other, understanding each other's skill sets, uh, being able to be there for each other um, during uh, difficult times like COVID. Uh, when, when things were, were uneasy. Um, and, and so I think uh, we fight back against the cultural issues we're seeing and the, the concerns we have for future generations when we build community, when we think locally, and when we make sure that, that libertarian-minded people, big L, little L, whatever, right? So yeah. libertarian-minded people, people focus on individual liberty mm-hmm. or building community together. You know, it's an interesting thing that occurs to me, and this is not the first time I've thought it. Maybe you have too. Libertarian community. That seems to be almost an oxymoron, doesn't it? Yet at the same time, my son was just at the Pork Fest, short for Porcupine Fest, where it's a, you know, a week-long libertarian community that is, it pops up and um, <laughs> the police are, are not necessarily there in that sense. In other words, everybody polices their own behavior. Uh, and the idea uh, that a group of libertarians, if you can say that, can get together in a community and the community works. You know, my son was reporting back to me. It was very peaceful. Everybody, you know, b- believed and did. different. I mean, you talk about the wide variety of beliefs, even with uh, among people that claim to have a libertarian ideology. I mean, you'd say these people could not get along and they, they both consider themselves libertarian. That kind of thing was happening. So how do we uh, kind of get beyond that idea that libertarians can't get along because in the history of the libertarian party they haven't been able to succeed so much and i i see the culture building that you're you're talking about as something that's very very needed to help disabuse people of the wrong-headed notion of even thoughts like um homeschoolers oh homeschool is horrible they, they'll grow up they won't even know how to talk to each other it's like they'll be isolated it's like it's so not the reality of people that have gone through homeschooling for generations uh, you know, with exceptions or rare exceptions, in a sense, there are always isolated incidents, but you can't say, oh, that's everybody. So the idea of culture building within a libertarian ideology that says, you know what, we are all quite unique and different in our beliefs, but we can, without an external threat of punishment and force necessarily, we can get along and live in community. Yeah, and I would echo your sentiment. So as a homeschooler myself, 
you know, I, I see the, the benefit of keeping family and close community and churches around our children and, and the incredible benefit. So I'd argue that the, the impact is the opposite of, of what people tend to think that it is. So I think the other side of the coin with with building culture and community and having fun together, mm-hmm. the other side of that coin is building a culture of responsibility and accountability. And with people uh, of, of varying backgrounds and different lifestyles and, and different preferences uh, all take responsibility and accountability for their own actions and don't uh, don't hinge on the government uh, to, to support a lifestyle or to support them financially uh, and understand that their, their self-defense is, is incumbent upon them and not a government and, and their security best comes from closeness with neighbors. Uh, when we shed government, when we act responsibly and we are accountable, that's kind of the other side of, of culture building that, that bonds a libertarian-minded community. So what are some ways, Amy, that folks that uh, might want to say, oh, okay, this sounds different. This sounds new relative to what I thought the libertarian stuff was happening. Uh, How do I plug in to the Mises caucus, for instance, Uh, wherever they are, not just in Delaware where you are? Yeah, the Mises caucus is all over the country and they have state organizers ready to talk to anyone uh, who is interested in the caucus and interested in this incredible opportunity and enormous change in the party. Uh, And the way that you would learn more about the caucus is you can register at takehumanaction.com. And if you do that, you can go to that website, you can register to, to get some emails and, and to hear from one of your state organizers that, that is local to you. Uh, but also you can learn a little bit more about the platform and a little bit about the issue coalitions and candidates that, that the caucus supports. Right, and I'm, I'm happy to share some okay. stuff for your show notes for you after we're done. Oh, yeah, thanks. And I'm just uh, opening up uh, Superdon. If you can show that, uh, it takes you to uh, the LP Mises Caucus Um uh, takehumanaction.com there it is and you can enter your email whatever and get connected and maybe find i think maybe i think really you'll find people of like mind that uh, believe in taking responsibility for their actions as opposed to turning it over to the government and then becoming a collective mush if you will where rights are relegated to become privileges and they are given or taken away by the government based on your good behavior how do they define the good behavior well, that depends on whether you have an establishment Democrat or establishment Republican telling you how to live as opposed to how you perceive is right to live because of your relationship with the divine, however you perceive that to be as well. Again, it's pretty simple. We try to teach two-year-olds. I know they're, they're, they're not there yet always, but very often Americans act like they're two-year-olds and they can't get beyond the basics, understanding right and wrong. And it isn't for the government to determine that, although the basic common law is understood and some would say natural law that you're certain things you just don't do. You don't need a whole lot of uh, statutes to explain them, even though they were there at the basis of the founding of this country. And uh, yet we strayed so far from them. And I believe because of uh, public schools or government indoctrination centers teaching the glory of government and the glory of collectivism, the glory of not being responsible for your actions and turning them over to a collectivist mush in government. I completely agree. You know what? I like. I feel extra smart now. I got a PhD smart person like Amy Lepore saying, "Yeah, I agree with you, Robert. That's crazy. I don't know how that happened." Uh, <laughs> I'm so conne- great, grateful to connect with you, and I'm so grateful. Michael Bolden suggested when we highlighted your article uh, last week to, to have you on here, uh, and uh, I just like I said, this is an exciting new chapter, if you will, 
specifically in terms of political action for those that are inclined to take it. Now, uh, if you g- get connected to the Mises caucus, I'm not, I'm sure you're not requiring people. You have to run for office. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa I don't want to. But however, you can support a cultural shift, and that might include the shift of the body politic, and that'd be a good thing, I think, more towards liberty. Uh, even a little incremental step, I'll take. Every little bit is going to be a little better than not taking that step. Absolutely. And if there are people watching and they, they register with the caucus or even if they don't and they're interested in running for, for elected office as a libertarian, uh, I, you know, I, I get to work with candidates all over the country. It's incredible. Um, and, and they could you know, just get a hold of me. So you're going to actually gonna guide some of these candidates that sign up from the Robert Scott Bell Show to run for office. And Amy Lepore is going to call you and go, here's what you can do. How cool is that? That's, that's part part of my role. So that's part of my role with the caucus. I'm newly uh, the candidate officer, and uh, and and again, uh, we have a team. Uh, we are building resources and training and supports uh, and kind of a, a strategic plan uh, to move forward in in 2022, 23, and 24, uh, and to really um, really hammer home a nullification strategy and to really focus on that those local level offices. Oh man, there's so there's so much more I want to talk to you about, but. We'll have to do that at another time, especially you as a parent. I'm a parent thinking about kids that we're raising. Um, you mentioned that your daughter's almost what you said, 19, 18, 19. Yeah. Yeah. My daughter's 17, you know, raising them up to uh, perceive the world quite differently than their peers. Uh, and it's, it's quite a daunting challenge yet. If these kids have it within them and if they have living examples like moms and dads that not just say they believe it, but live it. The transformation is on, is all I'm saying. And maybe we can talk about that next generation stuff with you on another visit. Absolutely. I would love that. That would be awesome. So we have links again to Amy Lepore and the article that she wrote, the 10th Amendment Center republishes well at robertscottbell.com. Take you to the Libertarian Party of Delaware. But if you'd like to participate at the localist of local level or just check it out, uh, takehumanaction.com. We'll get you to a website. Sign up. And if you want to run, Amy's going to be calling you. So don't be. Uh, it's Amy. Hi. Hi. Amy. True. Right. Cool. (laughs) Thank you for being here. Shout out to Michael Bolden, who is in the chat room right now. And uh, we love you, Michael. Although see how easy it was to get an actual official from the Libertarian Party show up more than Michael Bolden from the 10th Amendment Center. I don't know why that was so. Well, we'll leave it there for now. He's in demand these days. That's for sure. Yes, he's a busy guy. And I hope you're more in demand for doing what you do, that you're, you're like, I got so many candidates I need to talk to. I need more help. So that would be great, too, to hear. Hope so too. All right, Amy, thanks for being on the Robert Scott Bell Show today. Thank you so much for having me. All right, that's Amy Labore. Wow, great sport too. I, I love you know talking about the the issues, the fundamental issues of liberty as they apply to every aspect of our life. We only had a short time to at least start that discussion, as well as with the nationalization of emergency response. And that's a, you know, a detail-oriented scenario. Not everybody go. You know, some people go. Oh, I don't know. It's too much. But I think it's an important part because we've all lived through that nationalization. Those of you who are still with us alive, well, breathing here on the Robert Scott Belcher, you've survived it, especially if you haven't gotten jabbed. That's an amazing accomplishment, considering all the intense pressure put upon you to make your life difficult or miserable, as some would say, uh, if you don't get the jab. So hold tight. The pandemic is over. Our fearless leader, President Biden, has said so. Super Don doesn't think that matters. I do. All right. No, I'm waiting for Super Don to show up again. Uh, there he is. Yeah, he's tapping. He's like, what are you doing? What are you doing to me? Nothing. Yeah. Whatever. 
Anyway, I, th- I think so. if we had a poll about the importance of Biden saying that, I think I would win that poll. Maybe I'll do that tomorrow. Okay. Maybe I'll that throw it that matters. In, in it doesn't matter at all. Or, you know, whatever. That's, that'd be a fun yeah. one. But I think people are going to be talking about it and going, hey, maybe now we'll get some Congress critters to go, let's overturn the state of emergency. But there's so much inertia to stop that from happening because billions and billions and billions, and, and that's a Carl Sagan term, billions and billions. It's beyond billions of profit taking over the mandatory, so-called mandatory soft mandates or otherwise utilization of products that have no li- carry no liability. Uh, they never want that to end. And they have purchased sin- significant influence in our government. Uh, you know, those that are in government, elected and unelected bureaucrats, our media, on and on it goes. So even with a statement by Biden, the so-called president <laughs> saying the, by the pandemic is over, it should matter. I get it, Super Don, when you say, well, it probably won't matter. I get it. I know, I know where you're at. I don't think that's cynical. That's like... Dude, I, I get it. You know, yeah. I mean, you, you are like... You're, you are right on target. I'm just annoyed. That's all. On principle annoyed. here. I yeah. get it, man. Mm-hmm. I do. And I, and I share that with you. Yeah. Um, I lost that, that kind of optimism a long time ago. You know, I, I don't know what <laughs> it's optimism. I just did. I've become jaded by the system, you know? It's just like... No, it's just a hammer blow of our little bully pulpit to go, man. damn it, this means something, and make it, it mean should, something. It yeah, should. What you're saying is it should mean something. Yeah. It does to you, yeah. personally. Uh, to the to the game, to the 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 you know the structure of, of this country, and, and the you know to, right. to the majority of the Americans in this country, they don't care. No, and here's the you know they the become struggle. so disenfranchised with you know with with what it sure. is that's going on. And and the struggle I have with the whole, you know, we've talked about this, the voting thing, right? It's going to make a difference. We just got to get the Republicans in this time. Like you talk about, well, the existing Republicans in there had watched this happen and did nothing or little to nothing. And now you got Biden going, the pandemic's over. It's like, okay, show me who in Congress from any party. I don't care. Dude, listen, I mean, this is this is nothing new, though. I mean, you know, I realize, you know, we're, we're focused on Biden because he's the president right now. But this has been going on for decades. You know, it's 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 like the the first thing that popped into my mind yeah. was George Bush standing on on the the deck of the aircraft carrier. Yeah, mission, mission accomplished. accomplished, right? You know, or or let's go back. Read my lips. No new taxes. It doesn't. You know, it's like these guys have done this time after time after time, and this is the reason why you got people like me that just go. <laughs> Yo, Biden, oh, Biden said this. You know, right. it's like, who cares? Yeah, it, Biden's it's, nobody. It's a question of who within the government structure says enough. Let's put an end to this. You said it. Now you're accountable for you're those right. words. Eventually, I mean, look, it's either that has to happen or that other scenario that we've talked about yeah. that nobody really wants to have happen. Yeah. You know, it, and we're talking about it just to have a collapse and, and a rebuilding yeah. of the system, you know? Well, will somebody come along that will go enough is enough mm-hmm. and and steer the ship? We thought that at one point, and I'm going to take advantage of that segue. Sure. It was 11 years ago today. Well, not wow, today, but that. in the last couple of days. Go full screen on this. This is a great the, picture. Um, there, there was a, a, a thing that they did every year. Started, I think it only went for like four years. Let me mm-hmm. get the graphic out of the way here. Um, that's Jerry Doyle, our dear yes. friend who's passed away uh, some years ago now, and Ron Paul. And they were at Liberty, an event together. There was the Liberty Political Action Committee. Mm-hmm. 
and it was held in um, at least for a couple of years. I think it was in, in Las Nevada. Vegas. Yeah, yeah, in Las right. Vegas, and he got to meet with Ron Paul and Had him get on, him the, on show. the show. Yeah. And I'm so proud because I was the one that orchestrated that whole thing. That's, That's so like cool. one of the things yeah. I can put, I can like list on my accomplishments of my life was I convinced Jerry to endorse Ron Paul. Yeah. I said, hey, this is a really good idea. You should do this. So yeah, and, and and yeah, I'm looking at this picture. I'm like, you should have a big old photo of this on your on your uh, wall. You know what? That's a great idea. I think yeah. I'll do that. I think it would be an amazing I one. Think I will, and, and I will one day, that out and put that in a frame. We can't get Jerry Doyle's autograph, but maybe one day we can get Ron Paul to sign that for you. Yeah. That would be great. Yeah. All right, folks, we got a lot more uh, healing to go on all levels. You know, the Robert Scott Bell Show is not just about physical healing as we talk about the body politic from time to time as well uh hopefully not in a delusional manner uh but in a way that intrigues and is interesting and maybe has an impact but yes physical healing and emotional healing mental healing um, spiritual uh realms of healing of course this is part and parcel to what i do what i love to do here and yes economic healing too uh, trying to put those principles that i learned about and overcoming all the ailments and illnesses and things i had from zero to 24 years of age and applying those same principles into all areas or aspects of our lives, because one of the greatest ways to defeat you, me, all of us is to divide not only us from each other, but divide us from ourselves. That is our very existence is isolated into body parts. Like modern medicine looks at you, not as a whole person, but you're a liver, you're a stomach, you're a gallbladder, you're a toe, <laughs> you're a brain, all of that divided. And you see that in modern medicine where they divide up your parts and they don't even talk to one another. So you go to a specialist for this part of your body, a specialist for this part of your body. By the time you're, you're, you're done, you're on 10 or 15 medications causing a hundred different problems beyond what you initially were complaining about because they don't understand the communication of everything within your body, the community of cells that you have working in concert without in conscious intelligence, but intelligence from someplace far higher and greater than government that can navigate this life, this complex system we call life. And how do we not go back to the basic principles? Well, it's those that want to screw up the works, divide us again from our connection to the source of all of our knowledge and wisdom ultimately, which is not, again, government. It's not the media. <laughs> it's not your doctor, but the, the relationship with the divine. And I've said this time and again, you know, our recognition my recognition of who i am and why i'm here drives me every day to see through the illusion and the delusions that occur all, all all around us and they try to immerse or inject into us and so however you find that connection to the divine that spark uh, gave you life and understand the principles of life itself and then the reason you're here at this time in history there's going to be an ability to manipulate you if you're not aware of that if you're not connected to that an easy disconnect at that point to say oh well it's the germ it's the bug it's the virus and i'm sorry i know i know you think you have rights but and even if we sort of agree that you do we're going to suspend them i know you don't like it but it's for the greater good and if you don't it means you want to kill grandma and grandpa or you know on and on the stories uh, they go and then we live our lives in fear because we've been divided from one another by primarily the fear of germs and we're not communicating with one another or only in a distant way. But the reality is, as you got together during the pandemic, those of you who did here on the Robert Scott Bell show, you looked around, you find out, well, I'm not alone in feeling this is weird. This is strange. This doesn't add up. This doesn't make sense. 
And you're not afraid? No, I'm not afraid. Are you afraid? No, I'm not afraid either. You're going to get the jab? No, hell no, I'm not getting the jab. You're not, I'm not going to get it either, no matter what they do. And they claim 30% of us didn't get the jab. 30% out of 100%, 70% did, which I was disappointed in. But hey, when I started this show in 1999, if there were 3% of people that had any questions at all about any vaccine, that was big news. Might have been less, far less. Now, 30% or more, arguably a majority of people, even if they're into regular other vaccines, are now questioning one or all of them in varying degrees of whether they're safe and or effective. So sometimes we go through these periods of darkness and maybe even despair in order to find out what's real, what's real important. How much do you love liberty? You say you do, but how much do you love it? Do you love it like you love air? When your head is being hold, viol held violently underwater, what are you willing to do to get that air into you at that point? And I believe, and some others have said this throughout history, until you want freedom, liberty, as much as you want air with your head being held under it, you are probably not willing to do what it takes to defend it. Yeah, but to gain it back, to regain that which we've lost. And that's the, you know, the uncomfortable scenario as we look forward. Is it going to be through an elective process like libertarian minded people coming into office at the local level, changing it peacefully, or will they make all peaceful options gone, poof, done? You don't have that anymore. I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. I'm just saying we're living through some extraordinary times and many outside of the Robert Scabell show audience are looking for political saviors. And I don't mean to, I don't know, bum you out, but there are none. Even Ron Paul, if he were elected president, couldn't change the inertia of this ship heading in a direction like that. So it's little efforts, small, tiny little efforts that make the impact before you know it. Then those big efforts are manifest by all the little ones. Incrementals, right? Oh, man, we didn't get all we wanted. Well, we got a little bit. In Utah, they passed a, 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 a law that provided for protection of genetic integrity. That is, you couldn't be forced to accept any kind of medicine or injection that would alter genetic integrity. Now, they couldn't get anything past the legislature in Utah and to the governor's level that said, you can't force a COVID shot on you. So they were all in on that. They don't want to mess with businesses' ability to do that. If, the, if they were opposed to the government, do it. They're like, oh, let the businesses do it. But... <laughs> The smartness of the Health Independence Alliance got a genetic integrity bill passed, and they're going to be honored this weekend at the U.S. Health Freedom Congress that I'll be at in Minneapolis-St. Paul, the 23rd and 24th. I believe it is, or 24th and 25th. Coming up, it's this week, Friday and Saturday. Be heading out to that event, and I hope to see you there. If you haven't already, checked that out in the upcoming events tab of the Robert Scott Bell Show. And then following that, I've got a whole week of events in uh, Orlando area, including the big wellness parenting revolution with doctors Terry and Stu Warner. The Warners are hosting at, including the Kimberly Overton inspired Nurse Freedom Network and more. And I'll be there with my friends at Natural Immunogenics. We'll have Sovereign Silver, Sovereign Copper, Argent 23. Everybody will be so strong and vital and healthy. And I'm looking forward to seeing all of you. The reunion is on. It's coming. And then we come home and then go back out to Chicago. Not too close to Chicago proper. The people are hearing that. It's like, oh, I'm not going to Chicago. I understand. I don't want to either. It's far enough outside of Chicago. The 50, 14th and 15th. 
Am I, am I getting my dates right, Superdon? I hope I am. But that's the Health Freedom Expo, Tinley Park Convention Center outside of Chicago. And we, we were there last year, no problem, no hassle. And that's the health, a Trinity Health Freedom Expo.com. There it is, 15th and 16th. Thanks. I'll be there the 14th. But yeah, I'll be broadcasting live. I'll be lecturing. We'll be hosting panel discussions. It's going to be an amazing event. And I hope to see you there at that one. And then the week following that, Super Don, there's a new uh, poster that's been put up or a, a, a banner uh, with the event in uh, Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania, just outside of Pittsburgh, thanks to the, the Health Hut stores there. And I'll be keynoting that on health freedom. I'll be speaking on the healing at the speed of silver and copper. My good friend, James Lyons-Weiler, Dr. Jack will be there. Scott Shoemaker and others will be there. And it's a freedom-oriented event. You can check that out at Saturday, the 22nd of October. Very cool stuff coming up. Now, as you are transitioning, perhaps from the fall season, which is just about to launch, uh, you might have some uh, fall planting to do. There's some things in certain areas you can still grow into the fall and early winter. And I don't want you to be uh, bugged by bugs, but I don't want you to poison the water hole either. What do we do here? Delimonene, the distillate from the orange peel. Orange Guard, orangeguard.com. This is it. EPA regulated as a pesticide, yet harmless to your kids, your cats, your dogs. You could spray it around organic crops or, or you know, your garden or your greenhouse, which I do when needed. And it'll take the care of the aphids, the... Uh, uh, the little bugaboos, the ants, the roaches, safely without harming anything, including you. And that's orangeguard.com. You can go to the local Ace Hardware store, get it, your Whole Foods, ask for it by name, and then take a picture with the bottle once you get it and send it into Super Don. Ask RSB at gmail.com. And we're going to be doing a giveaway. I think sometime in October this will happen. Uh, and the, you know, I think it'll be a fun month to give some stuff away. And yes, I even scraped it in my mouth on the air and, and swallowed it. Tasted bad, but I was completely safe and alive because delimonene is that amazing and safe. So there you go. It's not meant to be eaten, but you could. All right. With that, we're almost wrapping up our uh, one here. And oh, one of my favorite topics, we don't get to talk about it much because I don't have many boxers that join me on the show. Uh, I was introduced to boxing. Not that I didn't know about boxing, but um, my wife was kickboxing at the time in South Florida. And I had a severe injury to both my eustachian tubes in, in a, a diving uh, incident going underwater up and down for, for day, the whole day. And I just destroyed my ears. And uh, I was like, I couldn't get back in the water. My wife said, hey, why don't you come over with me and start boxing? And uh, Chiro Perez, my, my good buddy, the kids called him Cheeto. He was working with the, uh, the karate school down in South Florida back then. And I began to do boxing fitness. And, I, and he taught me stuff. He was like the Puerto Rican national champion. He is now trained world champions, Chiro. And I just appreciate him so much because he got me this love and appreciation for boxing. I didn't have growing up, though. Everybody knew Muhammad Ali and Evander Holyfield and stuff like that. And now I can call um, Muhammad Ali's daughter. Uh, well, she's she's amazing. Layla Ali and her organic spices. She's a friend and we you know connect every once in a while. And I've got to visit her in her house in Atlanta with my mom and my kids. It was a lot of fun. And Layla, of course, she was a champion boxer. For all those years and so i appreciate that sport we're going to talk some boxing and more than that in uh the hour to come momentarily and for the first time on the air we have uh david nino nino i'm sorry rodriguez nino's corner we'll learn all about nino's corner as well uh so that's coming up uh briefly we talked about the pandemic being over according to biden well what about com the common cold that never went away did it Oh, everything went away. Flu went away. Everything went away during COVID. But here's a headline from Fox News. It says severe common cold cases increasing among young children may be pegged to COVID-19. Oh, they're blaming COVID-19. No, not the virus. 
or whatever you perceive it to be. It was lockdowns. Doctors are noticing an increase in severe cases of common cold among some children, and they say it's the lockdowns that did it because people weren't going out and interacting and sharing germs, which is part and partial to the strengthening of the immune system individually. And of course, when you add a bunch of individuals together, you can call it a collective, but honestly, you get sick as a individual, not a group. You get well as an individual, not a group. But the importance of the community is that we interact with one another, that we don't isolate out because the moment we're exposed to something, we have no earthly idea what it is. They say, oh, we're vulnerable. We could have it and it could be really bad, not just a cold. So why not declare a pandemic of severe common cold? Why not keep the emergency going? You know, they want to. Is this the trial balloon? Monkeypox didn't work or MPOX, or what did they call it? Sheeple pox. I don't remember what the, the, the winning uh, entry was. Adam Schiffelis. Adam Schiffelis was your favorite, yes. right? <laughs> yeah, that was a great one. Uh, terrific one. Uh, so the severe common cold. Look, we can address, if you believe it's a viral issue, guess what? Silver, bioactive silver hydrosol is beautiful, the sovereign silver. Why? Because the ions of silver are virostatic. They stop viral replication. If you believe viruses are the cause of the problem, they're not going to harm you at the level we're talking about, but they will also enhance immune response. If it's a bacterial issue, a fungal issue, yes, we can neutralize it without resorting to toxic medication, which by the way, my kids, two kids, 22, 17, never been jabbed, never, not by any jabs, not by vaccines at all. And guess what? Never once had an antibiotic. Have they had infections? Have they had colds and flus? Yeah, we all have them part and parcel of life, but we don't have to resort to toxic fear and death administration approved poisons that are responsible as the third leading cause of death in america and quite honestly whatever you believe covid was or is most people didn't die of covid they died of the treatment for it outside of the doctors who are brave enough to say hey we're using antiparasitic drugs like ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and vitamin c and zinc and da, da, da. now don't forget the copper if you've been on zinc and vitamin c pump up that copper if you're not eating liver at least once a week, you need copper supplementation. And this is the safe, safest, cheapest, and, 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 and most efficient way to get it in. Sovereign Copper. Check that out as well. We've got links up, as always, at robertscottbell.com. All right, let's pause for a moment, take a top-of-the-hour education break, and then let's go boxing. He's got his own Roku channel. I want one of those. <laughs> How do we do that? we got enough hours. Thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of the Robert Scott Bell Show since 1999. There's plenty to, to show and share. But let's share with David Nino Rodriguez. Nino's Corner coming up after the break because the power to heal is yours. Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. All right, hour two commences now. We are uh, live on Brideon.tv. Normally, uh, we'll have a, a different, uh, how would we call it, schedule. And uh, at this point, both me and Super D, it was like it's Monday. We went to sleep. But here we are, y'all. Thanks for being here. RobertScottBell.com. Sign up for email alerts. Just go to RobertScottBell.com. You get your newsletter uh, from Super Don. And you can also text RSB to 22828. Be part of the newsletter. And our poll questions of the day as well. And we have a lot of fun together with that. Uh, this hour, we're going to talk, I don't know, boxing, maybe a little bit of that. Uh, we have a new guest, uh, Dave Nino Rodriguez, uh, joining us momentarily. And I was thinking about uh, the boxing issue. I was telling the story last hour how I took up boxing 
for fitness and did some sparring and stuff. I'm, I don't have delusions of grandeur. Believe me. I was, when I visited with Layla Ali at her home, I was just like, Layla, let's get in the ring. She's just like, you don't want to get in the ring with me. I'm like, I know, but it'll be a great story when you knock me out. Okay. <laughs> she just laughed, but to, you know, to understand the fitness level of boxing, just stunning. You know, I thought you know, I, was, I was a swimmer fighting through all of my ailments and illnesses. And that's, you know, that's a whole other level of fitness as well in water, but land-based man, I just, I dig it. And how good would it be to teach your kids that kind of level of fitness? And even for, for self-defense, think about this story at the top of the hour here from the defender children's health defense. The CDC is reporting that 5,300 errors in vaccine doses that were given to kids. The latest vaccine adverse event reporting system data shows 155 reports of deaths in children from six months to 17 years of age. And, you know, 5,300 errors. I was like, you don't even know what's in the syringe. And what did I teach my kids? If anybody, you're out of my control, kids, if any adult tries to give you an injection of any kind, what do you do? And our buddy, Dr. Batar taught his kids you kick them in the private parts and you yell stranger danger or something that gets alert that these people are about to uh, perhaps abuse you or harm you in some way, shape or form. And the willingness to defend yourself is critical to stop those perpetrators, even if they believe they're doing it for your own good. The most famous line of Michael Badnarik, my dearly departed friend in the, let's say face of mandatory jabs, vaccines, injections, his line, Doc, you bring the syringe, I'll bring my 45, and we'll see who makes a bigger hole. Now, for some who are off-put by that, recognize that's not an incitement to violence. That's a recognition that I am willing to use violence to defend my life and my kid's life against a violent assault. And you might go, well, it's just a vaccine. Can that vaccine result in death? Yes. Has it? Yes. Well, then I have a full-on authorization. I'm not asking for permission. You take your life into your own hands, whether you have a firearm or not, you must be willing to defend yourself and you must let those folks know that you're willing to do it, not say it and have them. Yeah, right. But make them know that they better believe it, that the consequences are very real, because until that point in time happens, a bully will bully you without end and you will cower in fear and you will be subject to that bullying. And that's the subject. A lot of what Dave Nino Rodriguez talks about from his boxing career to his post-boxing career and all that he's doing. And I want to bring him into the mix right now on the Robert Scott Bell Show for the first time ever. Dave, welcome to the Robert Scott Bell Show. Can you hear me? Yeah, man, it's awesome. I was worried about that. I was like, oh, man, I hope the mic works. I hope everything's good. You know, everything's uh, everything's great, Robert. Uh, thanks for having me on. Let me see those fists because they look very, very intimidating. You you were a heavyweight. Of, uh, they got a lot of... Uh, Scar, scar, scar tissue. I'm sure of it. Now, <laughs> you were a heavyweight, yes? You you battled in the heavyweight division. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. The, the the biggest, the big boys, man. It was uh, you know, there was guys seven feet tall, three hundred. I think the biggest guy I fought was seven feet or six, not six. Sorry, six ten and a half. Wow. Three hundred and eighty pounds. I think he was. He's a big man. Uh, it's it's the only real division that's you know two hundred plus. So it's really unfair. The whole division's unfair. Yeah. Um, yeah, because a heavyweight could be, you know, as you said, 200 plus, or it could be 380 pounds and it's the same division, unlike every other division broken out by weight. Right. I mean, but, but for the most part, uh, the general idea is you want to be, you know, anybody that size is not going to, is not going to 
be able to fight exceptionally. So you're looking at guys anywhere anywhere from 230 to 250. That's probably 260 now. They're bigger men now. Mm-hmm. That's the optimal weight of a heavyweight where they're fast, they're crisp, they're sharp, they're strong. Uh, anything bigger than that, I mean, I, I don't know. They're more like linemen. They should go into the NFL. Right. Now, your background in, in, in taking up boxing, uh, it, you know, there's a there's a story about bullying here somewhere in the background that has come to the forefront in your post-boxing career and how you're impacting and helping. I suppose I could say people of any age because bullying doesn't stop when we get out of grade school and high school. No, yeah, I, I wrote the book uh, When the Lights Go Out. That's on Amazon, and it destroyed my life. Basically, it's a memoir. I wrote it in one month on my iPhone, and – it was really just me after my career with a lot of frustration, uh, really just, just downloading everything that happened in my career and my life into my phone with my thumb. That's amazing. <laughs> I text the entire book. It's almost 300 pages. And, and uh, it's basically, yeah, I mean, the, the, I was really, I was going to call it bullied into champion, but I thought, um, when the lights go out was a, you know, it was talking oh, about. There it is. All right. Super Don put it up on. I hope it's linked up. If not, add it to the show notes. When the lights go out from survivor to champion uh, paperback book availability, as well as a Kindle, I think as well. Um, so maybe I, I, obviously I want people to read the book and your story, but man, can you give us some spotlights, highlights about your journey from bullying to boxing to now facilitating, of course, people understand how do you deal with bullies? How do you not become one? Even if you've been bullied guy to stop the cycle of repeat. Well, that's the thing I did. I did become a bully. I mean, you know, you kick a dog only for, you can only kick a dog for so long before it bites back. Right. So for me, it was like, you know, I was bullied all through elementary school, junior high. And then by the time I got senior year in high school and started growing into myself and getting confidence, that's when I turned on it and, and, I, and I changed and I became the rabid dog and I carried that through all the way through my boxing career. Uh, I, that's what I wrote the book on is, is, is uh, how that changed and shifted my life into boxing and how I got this killer instinct that I just wanted to hurt people, man. I was like just, uh, you know, I had the Mike Tyson complex, you know, I was just, I, I got, it was orgasmic to, to fight and to, uh, knock these guys out and put them on their back. It was like, you know, the only thing I can compare it to somewhat, maybe hitting a home run, but even then that's not as gratifying. I would say not because something about putting a man on his back in front of thousands and thousands of people in an arena and millions watching on TV is the ultimate destruction. It's the most basic of challenges, but yet uh, when you land that crisp blow and boom, the guy gets out and his eyes roll back. Like when I knocked out Owen Beck, blood was coming out of his eyes, out of his ears. Um, it's what you train for, man, what you live for. But I also say that in, in that same fight with Owen Beck, I took a knee because I was very concerned with him because he, he was out for 20 minutes. They wow. took him out of him with oxygen and on a stretcher. And that, that really, uh, kind of, you know, for me, it, it humbled me in a sense that I was like, man, I'm not out to kill people. You know, I thought I had the killer instinct. I wanted to hurt people, but when it came down to it and I saw that mm-hmm. man on his back that he could lose his life, I know he had a wife and kids a lot changed in me. Mm-hmm. A lot changed in me. I'm like, man, I'm able to do this with my fists. And um, it, that, that really, I didn't put it in the book, but that really changed my life because I had a, almost like a change of heart in that fight because I realized, you know, I'm getting older and I was 34, 35 at the time. I'm like, man, I'm not out to take another man's life. You know, I thought I was, Yeah. And that, I had that killer instinct throughout all my fights. But then when, when I saw that it almost happened, um, 
I, I think that uh, shifted everything in my career from that day forward. Look, I, I the the beauty of boxing, the pugilistic sport that it is, it's it's really a, a dance. I mean, it's quite extraordinary. And I've learned by doing it. Uh, yet at the same time, you you know your point is also important to bring out that it isn't about killing the opponent. Of course, knocking out is one of the p- features of that sport. Uh, but to have that epiphany to say, my gosh, this is something that you know has to turn or switch in me. No, no, no. Actually, no. It is about that. It yeah. is. If you're going to get in the ring, it is not a sport of who's more athletic. It's a kill or be killed ring. It's it's a jungle. Mm-hmm. It's a high speed chess match, but it's a jungle, and you have to be willing to go in there and die. Wow. This is not a sport of oh, I just want to do this because it's like football or like basketball. It's not. You don't play boxing. Boxing is you. It has to possess you. And you have to get in that ring knowing that you're putting your life in jeopardy, in danger, and it's either you or him. And if you don't have that, if you don't have that, and you're trying to box, you better get out because you'll learn real fast that it's a jungle in there, and it's not. You have to have that mentality. It's kill or be killed. There is no. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like it because I, I think it's a beautiful sport. No, 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 no. You're in the wrong business. No, I re- <laughs> yeah. that. No, that's fine because uh, I only did it in a sporting way and sparring, yeah, and stuff, but it isn't that seriousness at a professional or even an amateur moving to a professional level. So again, I don't have any delusions about it, but I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it from the standpoint of fitness and yes, the intensity and, and the, and the challenge as well, you know, to land a blow, so to speak, but, but not at that level. But when is it that it switches, like you said, in that particular uh, case, where maybe you're using that strength and ability, that killer instinct as well, for protection of people as opposed to, you know, put them out, out so to speak. Well, it's happening now. Um, you know, I, I, I have the confidence, you know, I always walk around knowing that if worse came to worse, I can defend, not only defend myself, but hurt someone very badly. And, I, and that's not what I'm out to do, but I'm using my abilities now, the same tenacity and, 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 and anger that I brought into the ring I'm using now, uh, in the fight against the deep state. And I have Nino's Corner. Well, it's backwards. Nino's Corner. Yes. Nino's Corner.tv, in which I dive into the underbelly of the deep state. And we talk about what's going on behind the scenes. Because let me tell you, there's a lot happening behind the scenes. And um, people are just not up to par with that. They don't understand. It's a very confusing time right now. And I just try to dive deep into the underbelly of the deep state and try to see what I can get from the swamp and pull it up. And I bring very controversial uh, guests on my show, uh, people that have intel, people that do a lot of research. Uh, and I bring them on my show to fight against the deep state because, man, we're, we're, we're rapidly losing our freedoms in this country uh, with this administration, this regime. Uh, it's obvious they stole the election. There's a lot of things going on right now. COVID was used for that. There's a lot of reasons COVID was used, or vaccines, the whole thing. A lot of people are awake to this. A lot of people are not. Some people are surface level. But if you want to go beyond surface level, come to NinosCorner.tv. Dude, I love what you're doing. It's so important. We don't have enough. Uh, there is pulling no punches, unleashed. Uh, I love the boxing terminology and what you're doing there, NinosCorner.tv. And uh, we need more of this, not less. In fact, to counter the uh, mainstream media narrative, if we have a million shows, it's probably not enough because there are still so many people hypnotically asleep. You know, they're not functioning at a conscious level, uh, not seeing the things that we see here that you're seeing and reporting on and interviewing folks on. Now, I know that it's hard and people will say this all the time. It's hard to navigate. You know, what do you believe? There's too much information. I would rather be you know, ha- uh, troubled with trying to figure out how to navigate too much information than having only one source 
making me subject to, you know, the, the automatic, you believe this or nothing, there's nothing else to believe. So for me in freedom, I think we can figure it out, but what techniques have you used even beyond your abilities to cognitively critically think about things when you're engaged in these interviews? Cause there's a lot of diverse perspectives, even in those that cover issues of deep state. I don't shy away from anybody. I bring everybody on my program because everyone has a voice and I leave my audience to be the judge and jury. And I tell them, help me figure this out. I make mistakes. I make a lot of mistakes. Correct me. Figure this out with me. I call them Nino Knights or Nino's Investigators, whatever. Mm-hmm. And they come on the show and they they help me along the show. And I get emails. I read all the emails from people. Uh, we figure out comms. We figure out, um, you know, a lot of people are not into the QAnon stuff. That's okay. I, I'm one foot in, one foot out. But there's o- there's obvious comms right now with Trump, what he's mm-hmm. doing. He's publicly endorsing it now. Should tell you something. Uh, there's a lot of things happening that we need to be aware of. Um, I think we're watching the last, the last death roll, the last roll, the last death roll of the uh, deep state. I think they're going to be gone for good soon. Uh, I think we're in the, they're they're on life support, and I think I like the, uh, the 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 positive the, or the positivity that you're throwing out. And a lot of people are like, oh, I don't know. I mean, I don't oh, want to no, feel it all. I see it. I yeah. see it. This is the. Uh, they're making panic moves and they're about to be checkmated. And then that's how I see it with all the interviews I've done, the people on the inside, the people on the outside. Mm-hmm. I got Steve Bannon tomorrow. I mean, I, I talked to quite a few people and, and this is what I've put together for myself uh, with my research, my interviews that I have no doubt that they're on the way out. So and, what is- and, and, and I, I told everybody before I started boxing, I'm going to be undefeated. I'm going to do this. And they thought I was nuts. Yeah. I guess a lot of people still think I'm nuts, but I mean, I'm just seeing what I, what I'm seeing. I got some good instincts and in what I can see. Yeah. These are all panic moves, man. And, and they're about done. All right. We're talking with David Nino Rodriguez, Nino's corner.tv here on the Robert Scott Bell show and uh, enjoying the connection here for the first time and loving what you're doing. Uh, I think that, uh, uh, you know, many people feel victimized, in life. And that's what we talk about bullying and victims and, and in the big scheme of the deep state and all that they've been able to achieve over generations, people feel victimized by that and often feel like, well, they've got all the power. I can do nothing. And I know that's not your message. That's certainly not my message, but at the same time, um, I mentioned this concept of a political savior, which I think is dangerous. I think a lot of people put on Trump, the political savior label or many even many years earlier, Ron Paul, who really was about liberty and engaging in everybody's freedom. But this idea that we have to have somebody external from us come and save us, you know, no one's coming to save you in the ring. Yes. You have a corner man. If there's something going on to kind of direct you and that's nothing wrong with having coaching and insights and people, but where are we, or where are you communicating to each individual that listens about their role and responsibility in defeating the deep state. And I know everybody's going to have to do it differently because we all got different skill sets, but that's an important part of the message. I think, you know, when I entered the ring, you know, every single time, man, uh, it was like, I'd go through the, I'd be in the dressing room and and Mike Tyson said it like this, you have this fear overwhelming you. And then all of a sudden you, you're walking through the tunnel and, and then the curtains open up and then you just see all the, the crowd and then flashes everywhere and your team's behind you. And then, by the you're walking into the ring scared out of your mind. You know, you can't believe you're doing this. You're nervous. You, your legs, you don't even feel your legs. It's like they're light. They're like, they're like, you just feel like you could fall over. Like someone could just push you and you'll fall over. And then you get in the ring and your team gets in the ring with you. 
and you feel like, like he said, a God, you know, all of a sudden you just know you're there, you know what you're supposed to do. And then, uh, and then your team gets out and then you're alone. You know, I've done this 40 times as a pro, you know, and, and um, I've, I've learned to fight on my own and, be, and, and it's a very lonely sport. And what's happening right now, I believe, is uh, we're being red-pilled in mass. I think Trump did not sign the Insurrection Act for a reason. Uh, you know, the election being stolen, as we all know, uh, and because he needed us to wake up. And we needed to come at our grassroots level and do something about what's going on right now. And that is what's happening. We're in the midst of that. And I think it's I think it's a massive red pill that we're all red pill that we're all having to swallow. And I think we're coming into the fruition of it as we come into the midterms. I think there's gonna be a lot of stuff that happens that are a lot of shenanigans taking place. Uh, you can't predict what it's gonna be, but I think we all feel it. We all know that something's coming. Um, and I think uh, that's going to be a turning point, a turning point for this country. And I think people are going to be able to take the power that they've always been given as an American and a, uh, you know, a child of God and realize their own power. And I think that we're coming into it. Well, it's a beautiful vision and I, I want to see it happen as well. And, yeah. uh, you know, the question is, how do we get there? How do we support one another on that journey? And how do we take people who feel victimized by life itself, all the things that have occurred, and, and help empower them? I, I can't give them the power. You can't give them the power. It's a matter of them recognizing, acknowledging, and reconnecting to the power that is theirs by virtue of their very existence. You know, I, you know, I, I don't know if you know this, uh, Robert, but some people don't know this. Your audience may not know this, but I was almost murdered. Okay, I got my, my neck slit open. by They knifed me. They, wow. They to cut my whole neck. I don't know if you can see it. Yes. And it goes all the way up here. So it's here to here. Um, I overdosed on drugs and flatlined. This was all in like two, twice. This, this all happened in 2011. I'm, I'm sober now, two years and nine months. And, um, you know, when this all happened to I me, mean, I could easily play victim. And I didn't. I, 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 I knew it was my fault. I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Uh, even the thugs that knifed me. I was uh, drunk and I was uh, I was intoxicated and under the influence. And so I don't play victim in that. I actually take blame for that. I, 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 I'm a man and I'm responsible for my decisions. And I think I think America, you know, now with this instant gratification generation, Instagram generation, everyone being coddled, it's a it's it's a socialist view and it's uh, I think it took decades for this conditioning to take place um, yeah. through Marxism and conditioning the public through decades. And they're finally at the end result where, I mean, you just look at men today and they're so feminized and so mm -hmm. emasculated and they're scared of being masculine because it might be toxic. You know, it's, it's really sad. Yeah. And I think this is the end result of those decades of conditioning of where we're at as a society now. And that is why mm -hmm. they're going all in right now to make these moves. The globalists are making these moves because we are ripe for the taking. Right. Now. Well, and that's we're ripe for the awakening, so to speak, right. not one that's yeah. a hashtag woke scenario, but one that's genuine reconnecting to the source of all of our freedom as well as our founders in America set us up. We're going to take a break for a moment on our, our friends at brideon.tv and then We'll be back with more powerful healing uh, with Nino Rodriguez, Nino's Corner TV here on the Robert Scott Bell Show.
All right. Theoretically, because I screwed up on the open, Super Don did as well. We did great. We, we with our simulcast, we have a different clock that we only do once a week uh, with them because the, the Brideon.tv crowd has uh, a, a different clock, right? That go through Roku as well, like you do, which is cool. I mean, it's like Roku. That's awesome. Uh, so we are still live for those that are watching us on our website, robertscottbell.com, and those that are still catching us through the platforms we haven't been banned on, <laughs> unlike <laughs> YouTube and Spotify that nuked us a while back. But uh, for Facebook and other things, we're still live right now. They can hear us and see us, but we'll pause to dive deeper into the story with you when we come back with our Brideon audience as well, our simulcast audience. So, dude, I appreciate so much what you're sharing, and I hope everybody will pick up the book as well. And I think that one of the messages that I'm um, picking up is, is common here, that very often we must go down to the deepest depths before we're willing to do what it takes to regain that which we say we value. We, we say it, but we don't really live it. You know, much like I described last hour of, you know, until you want freedom or liberty, as much as you want air, if your head is being held underwater, you're going to find an excuse to not do what it takes to get it because it's too easy, just like your instant gratification thing. One of the stories we're going to hit today, I don't know that we'll get to it, uh, was related to that. It says the uh, convenience is an opiate. Convenience is our, the ease with which we've gotten life has really lulled us into an addiction state of anything that disrupts the convenience and easiness, particularly of these younger generations that never had to do or had to work for things in a sense. That's where you get a lot of the, uh, the me, I don't know. What is it called? The, uh, expectation of uh i mean i <laughs> yeah um, yeah it's no it's a uh, you know i just saw a video of a kid that her his mom took away his uh cell phone mm -hmm. and he's like 11 or 12 and he destroyed the entire house i mean wow the damages had to be over you know 30 40 grand and i was thinking entitlement. Of that's it yeah yeah the entitlement right mm -hmm. and um you know it's funny you say that because I would seconds. go to school boards mm -hmm. and before I was doing my anti-bullying uh, speeches and stuff, and they would tell me, well, you could say this and you can't say that. You can say this, but you can't say that. And literally I would right. sit there and they, and they were all about don't hurt this group's feeling. Don't hurt that group's feeling. And I was like, so what, what do you guys have me here for? Because I'm going up there to say what I want to say and I'm going to say it how I say it. And you're trying to censor me. And let me tell you, I went up there and did it the way I wanted to do it on how and how and the way I did it. And I got a standing ovation. Yeah. And I didn't care at all who I offended or whatever. I yeah. talked, I talked real in the way I wanted to. They're not, that's how they're silencing people. That's how they're killing free speech is making everything politically correct. Mm. Oh, you can't say this. You can't say that. That's how they silence you. Yeah. That's how they're killing uh, the, the first amendment. Sensitivity and hypersensitivity. All right, uh, I we our brighton.tv group is with us. So uh, welcome. If you if you left, if you didn't, hey, we're glad you're here talking with Nino. Uh, check out Nino's Corner.tv if you haven't already. Great, great messages coming through. Enjoying him thoroughly here on the Robert Scott Bell Show today. Um, we were talking about entitlement culture. That concept of everything just is given to us, or we hardly had to work for it. Uh, to achieve, even in a, in a lifetime of previous generations in the 20th century, things got easier, even though, yes, there have been challenges. Anybody could say we've had challenges in our life, but how many people had to work the land to eat food, to be able to survive? Very few people as, as the 20th century wore on, as we relied more and more on chemical manufacturing of food, basically factory farms and food magically appears in grocery stores and convenience stores and health food stores. And we just show up and we give them pieces of paper and we get it. 
We didn't have to work. We didn't have to dig in the land. And so it's like, wow, life is really, and we didn't know that it wasn't throughout the history of humanity that easy. We didn't know. We read about it, but it's like, oh, well, this is what it's going to be like forever and ever and ever. And now we find out whether by design or accident, whatever people perceive, they're cutting down these supply chains and limiting access to things that we normally expected just to be there. And we've seen little blips over the COVID era of, oh, toilet paper is gone. Oh, panic. But what about the food supply as they actively World Economic Forum and others at a global scale work against farmers, telling them to stop growing things? And you're like, when does this hit the average American, for instance, that suddenly the stuff that normally magically appears in their stores are not there? And are you prepared for that? Because that's part of the globalist agenda to starve us out so that we beg for them to rescue us, much like the people waiting on the rooftops after Katrina hit. And FEMA never showed up. I mean, that was a great example in our lifetime to say, do not wait for a government handout or a solution to a crisis that inevitably happens on planet Earth, whether it's a natural crisis or an artificial one. Yeah, I mean, we're seeing it now. There's a lot of uh, food processing plants, dispensaries that are caught on fire. (laughs) And now you got the railroad, uh, you know, about to go on strike. They've reached a deal, but that doesn't look like it's going to hold up. There's a lot of things coming, and I think we need to prepare for that. And, you know, back in the day, like you said, people used to grow their food. I, I have friends that are prepping right now. They have all the ammo, all the guns. Mm-hmm. They're growing their own food, um, you know, and this and that. And, and I think that's the way to go. I, I don't think um, – I don't want to think, at least, mm-hmm. that we're going to hit that. It's going to be that bad, but I think people should prepare – I'm preparing. I'm, you know, I'm getting gold, silver, the whole thing. Um, stocking up on food because I, you just don't know in this in this climate right now where we're at, and nobody is really, to be honest with you, nobody's prepared for this. Like we don't know how we're going to react. We don't know because when this hits and they're on the food shelves go empty, how really are you going to respond to that? Mm-hmm. I mean. Depending on where you live, your friends, your neighbors for food, they're not going to give it to you. They're going to be stocking up for themselves. Yeah. That's why I say, depending on where you live and the consciousness of that given community, um, it could be a zombie apocalypse or it could be a community that says, you know what? We've been preparing for this for a long time and we have food in abundance and storage and we're going to help one another. Everybody's got different skill sets as well. And it used to be that way. That was life. And our, our blip in, in, in the history of humanity is what we've experienced in the 20th and now 21st century. And we've talked about this on this show from my, my dearly departed friend, Liam Sheff, who wrote the book Official Stories, who, uh, if you haven't read that, you know, you would dig that big time, Official yeah. Stories, uh, and recognize that we, we got here because of oil. Oil replaced slaves. Oil is is like owning slaves because, you know, for a fraction of what it would cost in reality, we have all of this energy produced for us to be able to do things for us. So we don't actually have to do out of our own efforts or energy, whatever levels of muscles we have. And if they cut down like the globalist green movement is designed to do to stop the flow of oil, to convert it to something they call renewable that relies heavily or totally on China for solar panels and windmills that can't produce the amount of energy we've become accustomed to be utilizing then again, we are in a form of desperation where we're begging to be able to heat our homes, much less. Yeah, and that's what they want. Yeah, exactly. That's what they want. They want you completely relying on them. And then they want to carbon tax everybody using it under the guise of climate change. Hmm. Uh, I mean, it's, you know, I just had a a guy, Dane Wigginton, on my uh, program 
on Nino's Corner.tv talking about the geoengineering. Yeah, geoengineeringwatch.com. We, we've had him on here as well. I mean, he's a magnificent yeah. individual. I love talking to him. I mean, he talks about how, you know, is climate change real? But yeah, but it's not what you think. <laughs> Who's really doing it? You know, who's really doing this? You know, so when when he when he went into the whole spill on my show, it was pretty, you know, pretty amazing. Very a lot of information there. And I think that that we need to look at that. People need to stop thinking of every ooh, spooky conspiracy, this and that. No, look up in the air. Look at the chemtrails. Just start researching a little bit, just a little bit. Yeah. You know, all these doubters out there that say, nah, that doesn't, you don't look into it. So, so why are you getting mad at someone who presents evidence or facts to you that we've researched and you dismiss us without even looking at it because it's just so outlandish to you? Yeah. You need to look at everything. That's how you get a well rounded opinion on something. You got to look at all of it. Well, some of what we're dealing with, of course, is the uh, seemingly permanent state of cognitive dissonance that many people are in or the desire to remain unconscious about these harsh realities that cause them to look at life differently, that it is now suddenly up to them to be responsible for things that they just thought it will always be taken care of. Others are doing this. The government will will come and save us. That concept is a deadly concept for those who are living it today, even though we've been able to, to skim along or skate along for a while on it. But I think that was part of the agenda to become more dependent, more dependent, more dependent until now they're seeing, Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. some people are getting independent of it. We got to cut that down fast. And that's where I agree with you. The desperate efforts of a dying animal, for instance, a wounded animal striking out, doing things. It's not really smart what they're doing. In fact, it's woken up more people than I could have ever done in the 23 years I've been broadcasting and all of us to put together, they have destroyed their own agenda by pushing it so hard, so fast where they were doing it over centuries, now they collapsed the time frame and woken so many up. I mean, as evidenced by your show growing and, and getting more interest in, and more people wanting to participate and learn about it. And so all of these things that are happening are not because we're so awesome. We have the best marketing and PR in the world. It's quite opposite. It's like we can't, sometimes we can't get out of our own way trying to get the word out, yet their efforts, their efforts at trying to corner us and box us in are causing more people to, to discover you, me, TV. You know, this is the thing that's happening and I'm grateful for it. At the same time, I'm not happy that people are being harmed by it. But unfortunately, any great change or change in consciousness often comes with a lot of discomfort and even worse, a lot of death, which we've seen in COVID that it was needless from the bigger picture, but perhaps from the sacrifice they made un unknowingly to wake us up in time to reset this thing, not like the World Economic Forum wants to do, but like our founders had set up for us, that we would defend liberty and set up a government that would defend it, not violate it. Yeah, I think what COVID did was wake up a lot of people. I mean, if you think about it, I'm not talking about the woke movement, but the awakened movement, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of people that did not pay attention to any of the conspiracy mumbo jumbo before are now diving into it and researching this stuff and finding out like, oh, wait, there's this holds water. You know, there's a lot going on here. And if you, when you look at COVID, it's problem, reaction, solution, right? They used, they created this problem, this COVID problem to what I feel steal, steal an election, mail-in voting, the whole thing. And at the same time, get people vaccinated. Um, and the vaccination, you know, for me to, you know, what I told people was, man, don't do it. Do not do that. Just give it some time. Let them figure this out. You know, that's how you have to talk to the normies. You have, just let them figure it out for now. But I knew, you know, 
point blank from the beginning. It, this was a sinister agenda, but you had to talk to the normies in a way like, uh, maybe you should just wait till they do some more research. Uh, just hold back on it, hold off a little bit on it. But I think, uh, you know, and, and me saying this, a lot of people, oh, I, no, I can't listen to this, but I, I think it's a depopulation agenda. I think uh, uh, it's a COVID is a certificate of vaccination ID, 1-9 AI. Uh, I think there's a lot to it, and I, and I think people need to start looking into this. And I'm not just talking about, um, you know, the, I think there's some kind of, and I'm this is an opinion, okay? Mm -hmm. This is an opinion. But I've had a lot of people on my show, like Dr. Judy Mikevich, the Ten Penny, the whole thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I think um, spike proteins. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to look into that blood clotting. Yeah, well, none of this is controversial here, Nino. This is something okay. you know we've been covering for years. In fact, I was warning about real ID years before people even thought yeah. about digital IDs and what that meant because of the vaccine passport issue. But if they digitize the IDs, all of this becomes possible. Social credit scores, lockdown, shutdown of your bank accounts, if you have one, uh, the inability to even buy food, much less fly, get on an airplane. We've seen that in Canada uh, without a full, a fully jabbed individual in Canada. They don't let you on a plane. I think that might be changing again, but it's a totalitarian uh, government's uh, uh, dream to, to in, impose all of this and all for the, well, it's convenient. It's for your protection. We'll be able to track the, the COVID or the next monkeypox or whatever they want to throw out there. And yes, the COVID jab is resulting in depopulation. Whether you believe that was the intent or not, at a, a certain point, you got to look at the results of it and go, um, no, I don't think this was an accident. Uh, they put out something that had been not, not really genuinely tested in any meaningful way and threw it out to the public with new technology to alter DNA protein synthesis. So you produce the very things that they said were killing people. And they're like, well, yeah, you can produce that and you'll be better for it. It's like moronic at, at such yeah. a level. And I'm, you know, I feel bad. sort just, of for the, Just the hospitals following yeah. the protocol of remdesivir. Yeah. And putting exactly. people on ventilators. I mean, they were, look what that did. I mean, yeah. this was so sinister and so thought out and so engineered that I think it was just too monstrous for people to grasp. And they, that's why they just have cognitive dissonance. They didn't want to accept it. They're like, nah, yeah. they, there, there's not evil people like that out there. That This can't be happening. And I think now they've been proven wrong. But here's the thing is that I think what we're getting to, and I'm not predicting anything into your audience or anything like that, but I think we can all suspect that your audience probably knows that we're coming into something soon. You know, I think, we're teetering on some kind of event or something happening uh, like COVID, maybe more lockdowns, something like that. Uh, and and uh, I think they're going to make a move maybe during midterms. I don't know. Uh, maybe during the 2024 election. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just saying I feel like it is coming. And I, and I think we all need to be ready for that. By the way, you mentioned the red pill concept. The Red Pill Expo is coming back. We've had one uh, in Indianapolis earlier in the year, thanks to G. Edward Griffin and his crew, his family and team. And they are getting together and having another one, November 13th and 14th. Uh, and that is in Salt Lake City, Utah. It's never been in Salt Lake. And I will be emceeing that event. I'll be speaking at that event. David Martin, Dr. David Martin, is going to be one of the keynotes. Great people. And it's all about red pill. It's really not about politics and religion per se. It's about people red pilling on various different topics. And if you haven't attended one of these, my gosh, check it out. Redpillexpo.com, Red Pill University. And we'd love to see you all there at that event, as well as the other upcoming events we have listed in the upcoming events tab of the Robert Scott Bell Show website, robertscottbell.com. So do you have any events coming up yourself? 
Uh, no, I, I uh, <laughs> not. I, I did the reckoning tour in Mesquite mm-hmm. uh, last month, and now I think the next event I have is January. Uh, we're projecting January twelfth. Uh, until then, I'm just going to take time for me. <laughs> I'm doing my shows all okay. the time, and any trip I take right now, uh, it's not just speak or anything like that. I'm just going to I'm going to go try to enjoy some music in Austin. Yeah, and nice. ACL and listen, to this. I, I got to decompress, man. And disconnect. Totally understand. <laughs> yeah, no, I took the kids to see Kansas uh, a couple oh, nice. of weeks ago. Oh, we yeah. had such a great time. And yeah, that's uh, so awesome. That's another message that I like that you're sharing that in the midst of all the seriousness, we've got to find the joyful moments in life. This is you part of why we're living. here. Yeah. You can't, you can't stop, stop living. living. You're given a life. It's a beautiful life. And today is the present. So I, I take out my doom buggy when I can and I and I try to enjoy myself. I work out every day. I I, I I cannot get inundated with this stuff and, and I cannot get overwhelmed with it. I or I won't do a good job. I won't bring yeah. truth and I won't be at my best. I gotta have time to relax. I don't drink anymore. <laughs> you know, I that used to be my outlet. Yeah. So now I gotta, you know, I try to have to be I have to be creative. Right. You know, so um you know, so I do what I can do. I gotta take breaks. Oh, beautiful. I'm, I'm loving that you got that part of the message as well. Uh, I, I, I need your secrets, like how not to get banned on YouTube. It's too late for me already, but well, uh, considering what you've covered, it's amazing. Well, here, here's what it is. Um, interviews are big, right? Because so I use code words for certain words on YouTube, like COVID, I'll, I'll say boogeyman. For a stolen election, I'll say bank robbery because AI tracks it and then they give it to somebody and then they come and they bomb you or no. And then you can't have people on your platform that's been bombed. Yeah. So if you put them on, they'll bomb you. But I mean, I survived the purge and who knows, probably another one's coming during the midterms or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, but uh, I try to, I dance around it, man, the best I can, but look, I've gotten strikes. So, yeah. you know, when I yeah, get a strike, I purge all my videos. I just te- take them all. Teetering out. on the edge there. I know. Yeah. You know like all last, last, last week where we were talking about, uh, the carrot emoji. I mean, there was a big thing about the carrot emoji being used in place of the, the syringe emoji. They're like, Oh my gosh, how dare these people use the carrot that way? I'm like, Oh, ban the carrot emoji. I mean, they will keep trying to ban everything and, and until everybody wakes up and say, this is the stupidest, most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. And so <laughs> the idea that, yeah. Remember in history, the, the censors are always the bad guys. The, yeah. Yeah. It's just burning days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is not, uh, you know, that difficult to, to see through, I think. Now, uh, Superdon says you even had Ted Nugent on the Nuge, dude. That's yeah. awesome. We'd love to get Nugent on. That's cool. Yeah, Ted Nugent. I went. I just went to his concert in Mesquite. I was front row. Wow, <laughs> that was cool. Man. Well, I was actually with the security. We're standing. Everyone where they were standing, and uh, Ted and his wife Shemaine are really good people. And uh, uh, I had a blast. Yeah, he's he's such a cool guy, man. He is so cool. And then also I had, you know, I've had BJ Penn, Tito Ortiz, Ben Carson, uh, Peter Navarro. Um, you know, I've, I've had a lot of good guests on there, but I tell them before I go on with them, I say, Hey man, we got to like, you have got to like, not say, sir, we can't talk about the elections. Mm-hmm. We can't talk about COVID. We can't talk about this. We can't talk about that. And if we do, then we go on Nino's corner.tv. But I just put fluff. Gotcha. I call it fluff tube. It's fluff tube. Right. I just say, if you want to do fluff, We'll put it on FluffTube, and then we can put everything else on ninoscorner.tv or my Rumble. So as I look at the ninoscorner.tv, we linked it up in the show notes today at robertscabell.com. This is the stuff going out through your Roku channel? Yeah, and Apple TV. 
Okay. Right. And Apple TV. So, so far, there hasn't been the same kind of banning and censorship and deplatforming through Roku that I've heard. Or how's that going? Um, I've gotten some threats. Okay. Um, you know what's happened to me, which has really surprised me, was the banks. Mm. The banks stopped doing business with me. And right. I had to switch banks. Yeah. Twice already. That There's a lot of control there. The vulnerability is everybody's using Federal Reserve notes. You know, we talk about uh, the options and alternatives to that. Uh, you know, one of those, of course, the goldbacks uh, out of uh, Utah, Nevada, New Hampshire. Now, I think, uh, yeah, New Hampshire, Nevada, and, and Wyoming is coming online soon. But people aren't waiting, utilizing not a gold back currency, but a gold currency that the gold is in right. it. Uh, other ways to interact. Now, it doesn't work as well on a global scale because of the digitization other than the, the so-called um, cryptocurrency, which has manipulation problems as well nothing's you know perfect in that regard but ultimately we were all in history all local all the time and now we have this outreach that goes well beyond our borders so the question is how can we utilize the technology but yet maintain privacy and access to an exchange economic exchange that supports all of us doing what we're doing to help each other so uh, we're still we're still challenged with that but I, I think that uh, you know there's innovation and freedom of course, in censorship, there's suppression and there is a, a limitation on uh, the human spirit to come up with these things. Although, like the carrot emoji, people figure out you try to censor me this way or as you said on YouTube, you have different code words. They're like they can't keep up with that. They can't keep up all yeah. the artificial intelligence of the world can't keep up with human in ingenuity, innovation, creativity imagination. and imagination. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's that's how I've kind of stated ahead of the curve. But I mean, at the same time though, man, I mean, I, I got it constantly. It's, it's, it's like whack-a-mole. <laughs> I'm constantly like, you know, it's just, you never know. Cause I still get the strikes, man. I just, uh, I, I just try to, I, I'm trying my best, you know, I dot my I's and cross my T's, man. That's the best I can. And, yeah. and wherever it goes, it goes. I'm, it's, it's all been very organic for me Yeah, and uh, it's grown. It's, it's, it's been it's been a beautiful thing considering that I still had to purge my videos. Mm -hmm. I'm still growing substantially, so I'm happy with it. Well, I'm pleased to connect with you. Uh, uh, your background, your history is quite extraordinary in what you've written in your book. Love for people to read about your journey. Um, you know, talk about, um, as I said, one of the ways to stop bullying is to let the bully know that there are consequences to that bully's actions. And they will get away with it as long as they think they can. The moment they realize that, coming back on their nose you know what i mean yep. then suddenly it's real it's serious and many of those bullies are actually cowards in real life oh every single time uh you know it's funny you say that because all the bullies back in school now i either got what was handed to them they got they got what was coming mm -hmm. at some point in their life because you can't keep up that behavior forever uh it get it it'll bite you in the ass yeah. or um it, 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 it morphs into something else and then they become criminals or hardened criminals or whatever. And then they ultimately go to jail. So it never pays. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the, it's a life. It's karma. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, you get what you put out and if that's what you're putting out, you're going to get it back and it's not going to be, it's just, you know, a lot of people that get messed with, you know, I was a kid, my daddy said, they'll get theirs. They're going to get theirs. Mm -hmm. But thank the Lord. I, I learned how to uh, stick up for myself, but Everyone gets theirs. It's just a matter of time. You keep doing that. You keep playing by those rules. You will get yours. It just happens that yeah. way. You know. Well, 
Yeah, look, your insights are, are very important. I hope everybody pays attention closely to that. If we ever do something on your show, I'll, I'll be careful with the code words as well. I don't want to get to <laughs> yeah, whatever you want. Loads, loads of good stuff to talk about, including the healing of you know substances and energies that we can bring to help people counteract the the damage that's been done to them, unbeknownst to them. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not someone, even if, as I believe, as I do about the vaccines and why my kids have never gotten jabs, but if people get them, I'm not going to just abandon them. If they are sincere and wanting help, I want to help them. And, uh, you know, that's kind of what I've learned in life. Like I said, I'm grateful for the help that I've gotten and I, I want to pay it forward always. So thank you for what you're doing, Neil. Uh, you, you're welcome. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, I appreciate it. And, and uh, do you ever uh, teach people boxing now? Because you, ha- you no, got you know, skills. You know, funny to say, I, I kind of, I, ever since I retired, it took so much out of me emotionally. Yeah. That I just, it's, it's, it, I look at boxing like a marriage and like, it was like a bad marriage, yeah. <laughs> an abusive marriage. And I just, I just, I just, it's best to stay away. I, I, I you know, anytime I go into a boxing gym or anything like that, mm-hmm. emotions come back and it, it's very sad. And I, oh, I and understand. I, I'm not ready for it. I just, I just rather just stay away and go on with my life. I'm doing something different now and life goes on. Okay. Well, as you work out, I don't know if you've encountered this, the IGF one plus from Neutronics. This stuff is, it's a deer antler velvet. Oh, oh, Yeah. But it's a natural form. It's not synthetic. And uh, I've been using that in my boxing workouts and uh, my fitness workouts. And I got my body fat down to 11.9% now. And uh, just lean muscle mass. If the if the, and you don't have to be a boxer to do that. The point is, oh, any, yeah. any kind of workout, fitness regimen, it's really helpful. And uh, for those that you are, if you're new to the show, keys to life shop. Christopher Key has uh, set up a, like a buy one get one free for people. So check it out. Bell is the discount code. And uh, Nino, again, great to connect with you here. I appreciate uh, again your journey and your willingness to share it with my audience as well. And anything I can do to help, you just say the word. Other than get me back on youtube because i don't think that'll happen but <laughs> <laughs> no it's, uh, it's yeah it's it's kind of like i a lot of people have asked me to, to give up town square yeah oh you should leave youtube you know it's the enemy's platform i'm like listen yeah. Use why give up town square? I, I just i'm like the pied piper i'll bring the rats the normies mm-hmm. to other platforms yeah. where i can red kill them there yeah all right well uh nino's corner.tv y'all check it out if you haven't already uh, Super Don has it all linked up in the show notes at robertscottbell.com. Appreciate you and hope to hope to see you sometime either on the air or in real life one day. You got it. You got it, Robert. Thank you so much for having me on. It was a pleasure. All right, Nino. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. What a great guy and what a great message. What an important message uh, today and forever. All of these things, you know, regarding uh, bullying. It's enough. Enough already with the bullying. Stop it. But it's not going to stop on its own. You got to stand up. Let them know you're not going to take it anymore. Uh, and there we are. Now, what else we got to talk about here on the Robert Scott Bell Show? Just a quick reminder, orangeguard.com. That's what we utilize to manage the pest. If you got any around, the the, the ants, uh, the roaches, the aphids, delimiting from the orange peel, distillates. God's natural anti-buggy. Uh, I'm just going to say it scientifically like that. Orangeguard.com. You can get it at your local uh, Ace Hardware or your Whole Foods or go direct orangeguard.com. And so safe. I did. I sprayed it in my mouth and drank it. it. Tastes horrible. It's not designed for that, but I just wanted to show you how safe it, it was and is. If you take a picture of the orange guard uh, that you get, send it into SuperDon, askrsb at gmail.com. That picture will enter you into a giveaway. And hopefully, we'll be able to do that. And then, well, we're going to be in October before we know it. And I'd like to do that in October. So uh, go out there and get some orange guard. Also, uh, upcoming events tab at robertscottbell.com. We got the Health Freedom Expo. 
Uh, we got uh, this weekend the U.S. Health Freedom Congress, Minneapolis, St. Paul. Got an event in Pittsburgh coming up the 22nd of October. We got Stu and Terry Warner, the Wellness Parenting Revolution, and more happening 7th, 8th, and 9th in Orlando of October. And a whole bunch of things. The Red Pill Expo I mentioned in November 13th and 14th in Salt Lake City. So stay plugged in by becoming a newsletter subscriber. Text RSB to 22828. Text RSB to 22828 or just come on over to Robert Scott Bell dot com and uh, you'll get your daily dose of good news overall really good news uh let's see what else we got to do as we wrap up here uh oh yes martha's vineyard has taken revenge on desantis <laughs> how is that how is that well he sent up the uh, illegals at and uh, of course they freaked out because they're hypocrites they don't want to take care of anybody illegal here however they want to call them undocumented they don't care they don't want you there but they have uh, taken revenge on DeSantis by shipping him 50 Karens. That is according to the Babylon Bee. That didn't really happen, but that's kind of a cute story. In the meantime, again, we're on two hours a day, six days a week. RobertScottBell.com slash listen for the chat room. Join us for the bonus round coming up after this brief, brief break. Thank you for being here. God bless you. The power to heal is yours. Oh, man, you know, if this Robert Scott Bell show doesn't work out, this gig that I've been doing for 23 years, uh, I have a fallback now. Apparently, I can do a Neil Diamond cover band. That's what I'm getting. Uh, <laughs> a buddy, Bob Bacciccio. Remember, Bob? He said, <laughs> uh, hey, I got three bands up here. If you ever want to join me on stage, I'm like, okay, that was a little bit too much fun. No, I don't have delusions of doing that, but I admit it was fun. Still, it was great. We had a good time. Anyway, Good show today, Super D. A little cantankerous in the first hour with you and me, but I think it was worthwhile the discussion over the declaration by Biden that the pandemic is over. And what does that mean? Well, again, that's why we put it out there for you to consider. Yeah, well, whatever. I'm cynical, but I can't help it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But, you know, there is one story. Actually, we've got a few things here we've got to do. I I think before the uh, show is over, we did have a question of the day. Mm-hmm. From Pat. Is that in the notes? And it actually, it is in the notes. Okay. Um, and so. See if I can scroll down and find it. I can show it to you here. Oh, there it is. How about right there? It kind of oh. goes along with what you were kind of talking about. Right. Okay. So let's read it. Question of the day from Pat. I'm not sure that you guys have addressed this yet. In an emergency situation, a life-saving procedure is needed and a blood transfusion is required. What happens if you get blood from a jabbed person? Are you exposed at that point to all the potential side effects of such jab? Oh, wow. Okay. I, you know, I don't know if we've mentioned this before or not. I mean, I have maybe a, a, in a very offhand way, but that is a real consideration or concern. If the blood supply is not being, let's say, uh, scanned, so, so to speak, for spike proteins at what we talked about, 10 nanometers small, would it be possible that you could be harmed by a blood transfusion that is designed to save your life in the, in a, in a crisis where you have extreme blood loss? And, and then, you know, what do you do at that moment? Do you say, I don't want that blood because of what it means or else, you know, you're going to die if you don't get the blood. So I think it's a real concern, Pat. I'm not going to dismiss it. At the same time, I've heard of people banking their own blood 
for future use. I don't know how many people have the uh, wherewithal to be able to do that. And then I'm going to, I'm going to take it out to the next level. Yeah. Why not? Let's go back into the history books and read about uh, Quinton, Q U I N T O N. Now, for those of you who are PETA and animal lovers and dog lovers, you're not going to like this story, although the dog didn't die, but it was an experiment that is not really uh, a happy thing to share. But I want to share it because I want you to understand that there are options beyond blood from another human being that could help rebuild your plasma. Now, Quinton did experiments. I think this was out of France many, many years ago, many years ago now, where he bled a dog an older dog, nearly to death. We're talking about a significant part of the blood volume that they would not survive. Okay. I'm sorry that this hurts anybody to hear. I've got to talk about it from a, uh, with a good purpose here to explain to you why you have an option without, without blood, uh, blood transfusion. He transfused an isotonic solution of clean seawater into the dog's veins, right? To replenish the blood plasma, or the plasma, let's say the liquid plasma, to see what would happen. And lo and behold, the dog recovered. Not only recovered, but this old dog started getting younger. In a, in a sense, it, it, it regained abilities that this old dog could not do in terms of functionality. It was old, decrepit, not, not in great health or shape. And so he didn't do this once. He did this a number of times. And each time the dog got younger and stronger. Now, I'm not advocating that everybody go out and get bloodlet to the, the point where they have no blood left and then put isotonic seawater in it. But that's an extreme example of circumstance to recognize that the Red Cross and its cronies have a monopoly on the blood supply. And the medical monopoly itself is such that if someone were to set up a clinic that would compete with the Red Cross, so-called nonprofit, to provide plasma for replenishment of lost blood that didn't involve securing people to donate their own blood and giving them cookies in, re in return while they profit to the tune of many millions off of the blood supply that they get you to donate because you're a good person and you want to make sure there's enough blood. Imagine you set up these plasma centers that were using isotonic solutions of clean seawater to replenish blood. And similar circumstances have existed and, have, and in a, those that have a religious view of not to accept blood from another, they know about this technology, if you can call it that, a blood plasma regeneration via seawater, clean seawater, isotonic level. Other ways to rebuild blood, of course, how about chlorophyll? I don't know as much information about replenishing chlorophyll. Uh, as far as directly into the blood, it's very much like blood, but directly via infusion. That's not my area of expertise, but I'm, I assume that maybe that has been done experimentally with success, but even taking chlorophyll orally can help, help that. And so I just wanted to relate that in terms of options that you're not allowed to have access to. Maybe somebody does, and maybe in a free market for medicine that may emerge after the globalists go kaput. And all of the authoritarians in medicine and pharma that control our government and governments around the world can no longer have that power exerted, exhibited over us, exerted over us, that innovations like that will come back to the fore. And we won't have to bank blood and we'll have plenty of options 
to salvage our, our lives or the lives of loved ones or even animals uh, should blood loss be a, a staggering level without having to risk getting injected with spike protein contaminated blood, for instance, jab blood. Are they segregating the blood supply? I don't think so. Maybe somebody knows about that that I, I haven't interviewed yet. But that is, uh, again, a real, real genuine concern. So let's see, Super Don, is there anything else I should add to that? You know, all the basics about the endothelial system being damaged. And if you were uh, having to go through a blood transfusion, I would much prefer that you do it while under the influence of Cardio Miracle, a lot of Cardio Miracle, so that you can outpace and regenerate faster than the damage occurs. I, I appreciate the question from Pat, because that's one of those, yeah. those types of questions I like to throw at you sometimes, because it's like, you don't really want to you know, recommend that people do that, but you know, if you mm-hmm. had the picks, option A, option B, which one would you pick? I always like those types of questions. Yeah, and it is a legitimate concern too because those types of scenarios do happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's one of those things where, like, what do you do? You know, in one yeah. of those cases, you know, it's almost like, yeah, you, know, you got to do what you got to do to get yourself out of crisis, and then try and take care of things the best you can at that point, right? I just sent you a video, by the way. Yeah, I noticed. I could tell you were distracted. Yeah. What is this? This is, uh, we were talking about uh, this last week, I think. You it's see this? MOV, so I'm going to have to yeah, you have to convert, convert it. it real quick. But you see, this is a, a 50 BMG in my hand, just to show you how big this thing is. Oh, <laughs> the, uh, oh the ammo, yeah. Yeah. Um, my son acquired one of those and went out to the outdoor range with some friends, including our buddy Laban, to shoot it. I, I was uh, doing some service work uh, with the local temple to clean things up, but I, I didn't go, but they did. And uh, he took a video of it, and he sent me a video from a few years back when we were in Florida. He was working with the uh, former British Special Forces guy that gave a lot of great training to my son in firearm safety and all of that. And so they went out there uh, to have a great time and you know when he came home they, they they were all just a little lit up by the experience of shooting a 50 bmg you know you can see the shockwave when that thing is 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 uh, fired down range it's quite extraordinary so again let me know if you can convert it we talk about showing it in bonus round if not today then tomorrow but you know if, if it can be done i don't know how easy it is to take a dot mov and convert it it'll take a time. minute um yeah. because apple's apple products suck yeah, I know they don't they don't correspond <laughs> with what you have. So. Um, so they don't make it easy quite often. Yeah. Um, so let's see. I want to change this to an MP4. All right. Um, what else was there that was on the docket? We got the question of the day. I'm going to send you the one from a few years ago so you can cross compare it. You don't. Again, I'm not no pressure here, but I thought no we, we talked about maybe doing it in, no in the bonus round at a certain point. <laughs> um, I thought that was a funny Babylon B story. Martha's Vineyard takes revenge on DeSantis sending 50 Karens back to Florida. I'm sure there are a lot more 50 of that Karens there. to Florida. Yeah. Sorry about Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Oh, you know what? That that then uh, is something else we need to do here. What's that? The poll of the day. Oh, poll the question poll of the day. Of the day. And it, it, it goes right along with what you were just talking about. The uh, question is, do you approve of Republican governors sending undocumented immigrants to sanctuary cities? So this is a, qu- a quick and easy one. Yes, no, or not sure. 
It is. Yes. No, I'm going to no, say no. our audience is going to lean heavily toward yes. Yes. I know. That was not a, that's that's not a hard one. one. Yeah. Look, 83%. Yeah. Yes. 12%. No. Not 3. sure. 8, 4%. Yeah. Not sure. You know, it's again, uh, it it's not an, an easy question, really. Mm-hmm. I, I, I understand to some degree some people's um problem with taking human beings mm-hmm. and using them uh for political statements or political mm-hmm. gain because look i mean look if we're gonna be honest that is to some it degree what is going on here done yes okay but at the same time you also you also have to think about how these communities these states have been putting up with this crap now. I just got an alert just a little bit ago that the Border mm-hmm. Patrol has logged in for the very first time two million illegal immigrants uh, entering the country. Two million. Wow. Two million in one year. Wow. Uh, and so. And those are the only ones that they've registered or found. That they've, that they've yeah. caught. Yeah. 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 I mean, those could little, be double that easy. Yeah. It could be totally. Yeah. So it's like, okay, at what point do you. Uh, do you have to freaking do something? I mean, you have to say, make a, 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 a statement, get somebody's attention. Uh, because, you know, these, these mayors, these governors, mm-hmm. the, the, uh, their constituents, the, you know, the, the, the citizens of their state, they're yeah. responsible for them, okay? Yeah. And they are looking at the governor or the mayor or whoever, and they're going, hey, you know, what are you going to do here? This is a problem. And so I personally don't see that what they did was mean or because it's not like they 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 could have just taken them and and just tossed them over the border back onto the other side they didn't do that right they didn't lock them up in cages right you know and chain link cages and make them sleep on the floor you know what they did was they sent them to these (laughs) these places that say, hey, send them away. We love you. We'll take care of you. Yeah. If you show up here, we're gonna, we're gonna, you know, you are welcome. So, you know, I, I just, I think I, I see more of uh, an, a, a good thing than a bad thing mm-hmm. in what it is they did, and it's also kind of funny. Yes, so I that, agree. that's an added benefit. Yeah, well done. Well, I think that. Uh, Man, it, it's such a disaster in reality. The, these people are in all, oftentimes fleeing desperate straits back where they came from. You know, Venezuela. I mean, who really they're would want to They're still way better there? off than they were. Yeah, and even yeah. in that scenario, they're, yeah, they're way better off. But um, just to clarify for those that are new, uh, open borders where anybody just comes right across means that you don't have a nation. Under the law of nations, borders are one of the things that's required to have an actually officially recognized nation. If you open it up for anybody to come across without any semblance of control, then you've got to question whether you are a nation. Now, if we were a nation that didn't have a welfare state, and it's, you know, warfare, welfare, but a welfare state specifically where you couldn't come over and then suddenly get money from the people who had put money in, whether you call them taxpayers or whatever, um, it'd be a different equation in terms of immigration. In other words, the people that came here would have to figure out a way to make it, to contribute, to earn a way. If they can come here and just take, 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 
That's a problem. That's why open borders can't work in a welfare state. I believe in the freedom to travel. I believe that if anybody has a skill that can contribute and make America better or the community better, I have no problem. I would say, yeah, come on, bring them on in. Let them in. But if they're coming here and getting on the welfare rolls, however, and there's plenty of Americans already there, that's a different equation. I don't know if I'm making any sense here, the clarification, that I believe in the freedom to travel, but you cannot have open borders when you have a welfare state. Does that make sense? Ron Paul used to talk about this. You're yes, working on the video, I think. Yeah, I you're walking on the video. Okay. No, you're right. The, yeah. the, so the video you dropped in Skype is like the wrong... It's like vertical I, I, instead. Of I dropped horizontal. two of them for you, didn't I? Yeah, Did the first one I got converted, and that would be the one. Uh, that's the recent one. That's yeah, the, the other one, one. The other one. Yeah, for some reason it went vertical instead of horizontal, and I don't know why. But that's the old one. <laughs> I might be able to get it to work. Hold that's on. the one where my son, you know, was working with the British Special Forces guy on, uh, and he actually assisted him when he when they did shoots. People would pay to go out and shoot guns that they could never get. And, and my son learned a lot from this man about gun safety and, and, you know, caring for guns, all of that, which is great. And I think it's an important lesson for especially young people to learn, you know, what, what is it about these things that make them powerful tools, but also, you know, dangerous under the wrong hands. And if you don't know what you're doing, they're not toys and we must teach people about that. And uh, my son really is invested in helping people understand that, which is great. And so he had this shot this years ago. Maybe you can play the old one first. I, I see it lined up and then we'll play the, the recent one, you know, a few I, years later. I think this will work. Yeah. I managed to, I managed to turn it, rotate. So this is probably five or six years ago, back in Florida on the range there, the outdoor range. That's a 50 BMG you see there with a big old scope. And my son has got it set up on its uh, bipod and it's a, it's a, it's a monster and a 50 caliber bmg bullet you know i'm holding up well there it is you can see what he's shooting so go ahead and play that that's all right here go ahead and play that what was that noise that was somebody going ah not that they've been shot but they didn't expect (laughs) (laughs) it was like holy crap i didn't expect it to be that intense and you can actually see the shock wave coming off of that um so one of my son's goals was to be able to save up money to get one of those. And, and he show, did. show them. Do you have the next video clip? I do. Available? Here it is. Yeah. Ready? Ready. Okay. You can hear Laban. <laughs> with his friends. Oh, my goodness. That's not bad. <laughs> Let's watch. Let's watch that one more time. Here okay. Ready. Ready. Wow. <laughs> okay. That's not bad at all. Uh, not bad at all. There's his friends and and Laban's there. Oh I think Laban goodness. was filming. That's it. not bad. <laughs> felt the pressure. He felt the no. pressure wave. He said that at the end. And the thing is, if you don't see it, you can feel it. It's much different than just the sound. You can feel the pressure wave off of that. And, you know, now it's like five years later, my son is holding it up, as you saw, like a rifle. I mean, it's a heavy-ass gun. And he mm. shot it, by, you know. So, cool. But, folks, again, the safe utilization of firearms is, you know, uh, 
I didn't grow up with firearms. I don't know, Super Don. Your dad was a cop, but I don't know how much you know he taught you gun safety. No, but. not really, not so much. I mean, I did a little bit, um, yeah. in uh, like scouts and stuff, mm-hmm. but yeah, I didn't really do a whole lot with guns growing up. Yeah, when I we don't know if it was it was it wasn't that my dad wasn't into gun or gun safety. Yeah, but he probably thought I would have shot my handoff or you know he didn't feel like you were responsible enough i I probably wasn't really now that i think about it but well i think uh, that's the important part of of uh teaching people how to be safe around firearms they don't shoot by themselves but there are basic concepts that you gotta you gotta understand and know and you know that's part of what my son's journey has been and he does great he's taught kids he's taken out church groups teach them that and i i appreciate that very much because i never grew up around it i learned most of what I know about firearms for my son and others, but uh, it's fascinating. And uh, Michael Bednarik loved him dearly because of uh, his passion for those things and doing it right. So um, very cool. Just wanted to show that for everybody that was interested. And if you yeah, could, awesome. in fact, if you're in the area, let me know and he'll take you out. That's something he wants, he loves to do. That sounded no, not not that way. Oh, okay. <laughs> take you out shooting, not take you out. Oh. <laughs> that's not what I meant. But I heard that too after I said, it. "I was like, wait, that's not what I meant." He's uh, decided to become a mercenary now. No. Anyway, yeah. all right. Well, did we miss any other stories today with the interviews? I thought they were. I don't think so. Amy um, Lapore was great, and 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 Nino was great. I thought it was both really good interviews today. Good. Yeah, story. you know, I mean, the the story, the uh, convenience is an opiate. Is yeah. an interesting story. Maybe we'll mm-hmm. save that and we'll kind of dive deep into that maybe tomorrow. Okay. Um, it, it, it was timely though. I, I tell you, it was funny because I, I laughed to myself mm-hmm. as I when I saw that story and I was reading it this morning because just yesterday I just found out that here locally and where I live here that that Walmart is now delivering. Oh really? They're Convenience doing the delivery thing, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it was funny because it's like I had it was it was almost like a, a per, like a a real life uh, a, a te- you know moment where I was just like because when I heard about it, I was like wow yeah that'd be great you know and when you don't have to go down to the store and then I was thinking you know what is it really that difficult to freaking get in the car and drive to the store yeah. and and walk around you know maybe exercise a little bit walking around the store mm-hmm. and get some stuff um, but you know it is pretty convenient yeah. I gotta say, but yeah, I don't know if they, they. A lot of places have that where they'll they'll now. They, apparently, from what I hear, they don't even charge it uh, the uh, for the delivery. Wow, you pay yeah, like I mean, a who, monthly who would... fee. It's like ten bucks a month. Yeah, um, and they deliver that. You can just put it in there, and they'll deliver it right to your door. Wow, again, you don't have to do anything. Just sit in your chair, be Jello. Um, yeah, no, I don't know if we want to open with it tomorrow or, or if we have time to cover it. But I, I I've got a lot to say about that too. Yeah. you know convenience is an opiate it's very true yeah it's very true and it's it's the reason why we have a lot of the problems that we have today yeah you've heard me i've you know i've I've kind of ranted a little bit about this uh like th- this morning mm-hmm. perfect example uh there's a study that was done talking showing nanoplastics nanoplastics mm-hmm. and apparently nanoplastics have gotten to the point that they're small enough that they can enter cells now Wow. And what they're doing is they're getting in there and they're disrupting the the uh, the operation of the cell uh, in, in your organs. And you know, it's just again, you know, when I see stuff like this, uh, I don't know what the difference between a microplastic and a nano nanoplastic. I guess it would be smaller, 
but mm-hmm. it's got to be pretty small to enter a cell, I guess, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but it's just, you know, it's just like, ah. What, you know, if you think about all the stuff that has contributed to those those problems, mm-hmm. what was all of that stuff based on? Convenience, right? Mm-hmm. All of these things, these chemicals and these 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 things. Making like better that. living through chemistry. Wasn't that uh, DuPont or somebody? 100%. Yeah. And it's yeah. all coming back to bite us in the butt. Mm-hmm. We are going to we are going to be our own demise. I, I'm convinced that at some point, yeah, it, it, that, that's how it's going to work. Is that you know all of these brilliant inventions um, that we all get excited about, you know, where they come out with the, the, this thing here and that thing there, this nonstick thing and this thing that's you know, it's that that that's what's going to kill us. Hmm. Our, our ingenuity is going to kill us, right? Yeah. Well, ingenuity without spirituality, and what I mean by that is a connection to creation and the laws that uh, govern the universe. And if we violate them, we do so at our own peril. Very, very true. So either that, or we're going to somehow like, like transform ourselves into something we just don't recognize. You know, I don't want to MacGyver into transhumanism. If that's what you're, you know what I'm saying though? It's just like, yeah, it's either going to kill you. or You're going to end up in some, Oh, look, what, what do you see? Daleen, D-A-L-E-E-N, Daleen, Daleen Wilson sent in a picture. Oh, yeah? <laughs> this is a got? great picture. I love this. All right, hold on. Hold okay. on. Um, yeah, this is awesome. All right, let's see. How about right about here? Oh, awesome. Look at that. Go full screen. I want to see that. Here we go. Delene Wilson. Orange guard right in the garden. Oh, look at all those beautiful. I see some echinacea. Isn't that a great picture? Purple coneflower, echinacea, and sunflowers. That's awesome. Oh, dude, she's definitely entered into the uh, the mix for the giveaway. Delene Wilson is now entered into the contest. We don't even know what it's going to be, but it's going to be good, whatever it is. Well, Tor said he would send us a couple of you know bottles. We could give away some additional orange guard to the people that have bought it, and you know they're using it and loving it, so it would be great to give away some of that. We might be able to do other things as well, but I think at least that would be awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you, Delene. Yeah. And uh, everybody else, bring you know get get those pictures coming in. I want to make this a big collage. Yeah. Go get some orange guard, y'all, and then take pictures, send them in. Definitely, yeah. it'll be fun. All right. Let's see what else we got to do before we wrap up today's show. I, I've travel day is Thursday, so I got to pre-record with Jonathan Emord this week for Sacred Fire of Liberty. And then we're heading to Minneapolis, St. Paul for the U.S. Health Freedom Congress. Limited time only. You want to be there. It's going to be awesome. And Ty and Charlene Bollinger, and I think Stephanie Lucretio is going to be uh, also with me on a panel discussion of media and communication and outreach on the issue of health freedom, among other things that we do with the open uh, space uh, groups of uh, planning strategizing learning from the past other things to promote health freedom at the locust of local level all the way up to the highest of high levels globally if, if it will be they're going to honor scott tips from national health federation as well and more so that's coming up all right have you not de-squeakified your chair no i gotta do it again it's 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 worn off so it's been a while since we've heard that noise huh yeah. So, yeah, I got to do that. It took me, what, two or three months to do it the last time? So. Yeah, it took you a while. I know. No hurry. Right? Nice. Cut you some slack. 
Anyway, any uh, uh, online uh, webinar events we should be reminding folks about? Yeah, there's there's bunch. And what I do is every week I try and send out an email that has mm -hmm. all of those on it. Okay. To keep you guys aware of what is coming up. I just got a uh, an email on a new one. There's there's like quite a few that mm -hmm. are happening here very soon. So let me just. Um, hey, what I should do is put all those in the upcoming events. Okay. Not yet. I've just been been doing the uh, the in person ones mm -hmm. that you'll be at. But uh, be on the lookout, and I'll just just give you a quick teaser here. I mean, coming up soon. What are we at now? September nineteenth. Yeah. So we got the Stop Fearing Food uh, one that's coming up September 22nd, September 26th, Engineering the Microbiome, September 29th, Discover Your Thyroid Type, October 10th, the Insulin Resistance Summit, October 17th, the Super Healthy Lung Summit, which is the one that you're speaking at, yeah. and you can actually register at the, uh, for that at the website at robertscottbill.com in the upper right-hand corner. Uh, root causes rapid results will be November 14th and regenerate yourself masterclass November 28th. Also the food revolution network, uh, has, uh, several that are coming up, including, uh, the type two diabetes masterclass that is coming up soon. And they actually have several that are actually going to be happening next year. We'll tell you about that. And it looks like there might be something coming up very soon here having to do with uh, Jack, uh, Dr. Jack Wolfson. Yes, yes. That one's going to be great. I, I did an interview with Jack, uh, and ugh, I, I enjoyed that thoroughly. We have a good time together. And yeah, We haven't had him on in quite a while. We had a, yeah, I'd love to get him back on it, at least for that, if not before. But yes, for sure. Joel Furman's uh, uh, event is coming up uh, soon. I've been trying to get him on the show. Um, I mean, there's a, dude, there's just so many different things. So I will, uh, be sending out another email sometime this week. So if you haven't signed up for it yet, just sign up for that and you will get an email with all that info. Very and that's cool. That's all I got to say about that. That's all you got, huh? Let me see. Oh, good Lord. I'm just looking at this thing. I just saw a mention of it. A 7.6 earthquake in mm. Mexico. I saw that. There was you a tsunami did. warning for that. Wow, seven six, dude. That's it's on the same continent. Technically, we're on. Central yeah, the America. thing about those is though, you know, it, it has a lot to do with uh, how far out from the co from from this land. one. This one looks like it was right at the right at the on land at the beach area. Really? Yeah. And how it's, deep was it? Does that it I don't know. Yeah. yeah, that's the other factor. But anybody that's down there, man, that's going to be a, that's quite a shake. They're rocking and rolling. Yeah. 7.8, is that what you said? Uh, 7.6. 7.6, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah. Michoacan border region, Mexico. Michoacan. Yeah. So, anyway, just saw a notice of that. Didn't, anyway. So, I don't have anything else. I know tomorrow, again, you, it looks like you've scheduled me after the show to... Tomorrow to to record with uh, Emord. Emord, okay, for Thursday, okay. Speaking of tomorrow, we have got we'll be a couple of guests on tomorrow. Okay. And we've got Clay Clark in hour two. Oh, wow. Okay. And then Daniel Harner. And let me just look real quick here. Daniel Harner. That's going to be an interesting... Um, that's going to be an interesting interview. Hmm. Daniel Harner. 
He is, uh, some people refer to him as the psycho-spiritual mentor. He's a healer, a spiritual guide, apparently a wizard. <laughs> and this I know I said Carl Jung, and you said it was Carl Jung. Yes, it is. 2.0, he's a researcher, he's an explorer. I think it'll be a fascinating uh, interview. He's originally from Austria, but transplanted himself in Sedona, Arizona at the age of 24 in order to deeply immerse himself in the study and practice of psychotherapy and psycho-spiritual transformation and healing alongside some of the most esteemed psychotherapists, spiritual teachers, researchers, and healers. Okay. I mean, I... It's going to be an interesting interview. This will be sure. Super Don's wheelhouse. Daniel Harner. Yeah, really. DanielHarner.com is where you can okay. find out more about him. So we'll have him on tomorrow. Okay. Check it Hour out. One. All right. Well, let's take a pause and be back less than 22 hours from now. God willing, we'll uh, do some more broadcast healing. I want to thank uh, uh, Nino and what a, what a story he had and, and Amy Lepore also. And go back and listen, share the show, sign up for a newsletter. And that's it. And, go go yeah. out into the garden. Whatever you got. I, I ate a handful of uh, raspberries from my garden this morning before I came into the show. I had a handful of tomatoes this morning before. There the you show. go. I love. Isn't that cool that we can say we were both out in our garden today and ate something from our garden? And I yeah, harvested the, the, a the watermelon. Big tomatoes are that's really right. starting to come in. Our first Valencia uh, mm -hmm. looks like it's about about ready. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a biggie. It's a oh, take a picture of that like when that. you can. Yeah, I Take will. A picture. And we harvested a, a watermelon yesterday. Perfect, beautiful little round watermelon, like a basketball, smaller than basketball. And it was, you know, the umbilical that we call it that goes to it dried up, so it was ready. So mm -hmm. there was no deficit in any kind of way for this one. So I'm excited. We're going to break into that watermelon today as well. Nice. And I got a couple of more that are growing. So before it gets colder, colder, colder. Yes, so. and it is, it is getting colder, isn't it? Yeah, chillier. Uh, I know that uh, there can be early freezes as well, so be ready to protect those tomatoes so you can get past in a... I've you got know, a, a giant shade uh, material cloth thing that I'm going to... Okay. Because it needs a big one, as big as those bushes are. So. Right. Of course, what am I talking about? You've got you got the back 40 in your backyard. So. Yeah, I don't have a, a big thing like that to cut. i got to figure out how to do it, but yeah. those are things for the future if I can't get it this year. All right, man. All right. You have a good day. Everybody else have a good day. Appreciate you tuning in, and we will see you tomorrow. Thanks for being here.